This is Power and Consequence. Welcome back to Power and Consequence, a podcast where we discuss liars, grifters, demagogues, and lately religious leaders who profit from political and social strife. Uh, if you like the show and what we do, follow us on Twitter at Consequence Pod, share a link to the show, leave us a nice review, or if you have questions or suggestions, the Twitter DMs are open. I am probably going to regret that after this episode, but that's okay. Uh, with that, I will introduce today's team. I am Matt, and returning uh, from his one-week uh, absence is is Jelani. What's up, Jelani? Hey, how's it going? Now my voice is in HD. Let me know if you like it or not. Hell yeah. <laughs> you, a little upgrade there. You got that blue Yeti going. I'm, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. And uh, bring, coming back to the show for their second week in a row, Joe Diaz Romero. Uh, what's up, Joe? How's it going? How's it going? Joe, I like having you around. You're our sort of resident uh, Christianity theocracy expert, which is to say you probably go to church more often than I do. Um well, I mean, that's kind of a given since I work for one still, so... Yeah, that's a good point. That's good. <laughs> By the way, Jay, I've not actually asked you. I probably should have. Are you particularly religious or spiritual? Um, do you have a background? I am not particularly religious or spiritual. Um, well, let me say religious. I say I, I can. I guess I can say I'm spiritual in, in that I value my sense of connection to the earth and the universe, but... I do not go into any particular building and proclaim my spirituality uh, in front of other people. Um, but fun fact, I did go to a Catholic middle school and a Seventh-day Adventist elementary school. Um, so it was a very interesting <laughs> upbringing I had. All while my parents delved in all sorts of uh, various uh, religious and um, we'll, we'll call them cultural practices, uh, from West Africa. So I, I have a varied religious experience in my life. That, that is a, that is an eclectic collection of, um, religious sort of, um, instruction, I'd say. I mean, I was, I was raised, technically I was raised Mormon, so I'm not gonna, you know, shake a finger at anyone. I, I never, I didn't ever like officially left the church. I didn't like walk into the temple and throw down my, my magical <laughs> underwear and storm out or anything. I just, when I was 12, I was like, mom, this is boring. I don't want to go anymore. And she was, she was like, fine, fuck it. She was done trying to make me go. But yeah. Okay. Um, and, and Joe, we covered sort of one highlight of your sort of religious experience, uh, in, the in the burgeoning, uh, tea party years. So that was interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. And how that kind of led me to joining a evangelical Christian organization. It was a lot of fun. I'm sure, I'm sure some of our viewer, our listeners would have heard of, if they've been involved with the church in the early two thousands, they would have heard of acquire the fire youth conferences. That's the conference I used to work to put on and did toured all over the country, putting those on. And once you acquire the fire, Joe, what do you do with it? Do you uh, well, you know, some of the old ladies, you know, that were secretaries on the phone, they would think that we were saying that the choir was on fire. So. <laughs> uh, acquiring the fire sounds a little bit dangerous. Do they at least teach you, uh, Good fire safety. Yeah, is there? Uh, no, definitely did, not. <laughs> where were the fire extinguishers? Was there a fire marshal for this? 
I mean, I'm sure there was, but you know, one of, one of the philosophies was you know, safety third. Don't let OSHA find out. Wow. Okay, <laughs> that's that's a that's a nice little little segue. I mean, that's just the concert industry as a whole, though. Okay, so. Even the the even the secular ones. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, honestly, fair enough. I think that's I, every industry as a whole. <laughs> IOTC is doing good work to change that, though. Yeah. So it's like a shout out to the IOTC, yeah. you know, strikers. Oh God, yeah, man, we're getting closer to a general strike. We're, you know, what? I'll tell you what. Next theme, uh, we're gonna do uh, labor propaganda. I think that's a. I think we're the time is ripe for that. So, absolutely, that, that's gonna be fun. But not today. Today, I'm still uh, still focusing on uh, on some religious interesting folks. So, uh, as I told our listeners last week, we were gonna take a step farther back. Yet last week, we focused on Teddy Daniels, the strangely not religious pick of religious organizations. But okay, at least he implies that he's going to physically harm people. So I guess that's good enough for them. So. We're going to take a step back, and I said that we were maybe going to look at the Rod of Iron Ministries, and I I think really they're very well covered at this point. You know, I mean, it, all can be said what shall be said about them. Um, you know, another story just recently broke about them. I guess they are retaining more property. I think they, they bought another big-ass compound somewhere for, like, pennies on the dollar, and it's a training compound, and more Second Amendment doomsday preacher language, and it's all very fun. I'll... I'll link the article in the show notes, but it's pretty much been said before. They're gun nuts, and I'm afraid of them. So, I, I, uh, Jay, I don't know if you've got anything to add on the Rod of Iron Ministries, if you know them. Uh, not particularly, but I do feel like this idea of buying up land and kind of segmenting yourself off from the rest of the population uh, is very culty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, throw well, that out there. it's not like there's examples of that going wrong. You know, like <laughs> buildings burning to the well, ground or anything like that. Yeah. And it's it's really just the Bible taken out of context. You know, the whole idea of, you know, not being out of this world, you know, that there's, you know, the big saying that we're in this world, but not of this world. And so that's why there there's this big group of people that will always try to segment themselves off. Yeah. And there's all that always revolves around one, usually a man um, who will take your money and more often than not has sexual access to all the women. But you know, that's a, that's maybe that's just a coincidence that keeps being the thing that almost always happens with these groups. But today, today we're, we're going to focus on something um, equally cringy. I promise you. Uh, we are going to start with um, taking a look at uh, Christian nationalism kind of in the broad sense. And I realized last week we didn't lay out a working definition for Christian nationalism. We just kind of hit the ground running. Um, so today we're going to focus on present day Christian nationalism, specifically as it pertains to the United States, because there are different flavors. Like Polish Christian nationalism is more focused on uh, Catholicism and that type of thing, just by way of the state. And when people think in this country, Christian nationalism, they're usually referring to evangelicals. Usually, you know. Um, even though Paul Weyrich, the, the the progenitor of Christian nationalism and the Christian right from the 70s and 80s, he was a Catholic, but that's next week. I'll get to him later. So, you know, the idea of Christian nationalism in the U.S., for our listeners, it's the idea, basically, that the United States was founded as a Christian nation and should remain so, and laws and policies and language should reflect Christian values, right? So, 
anti-abortion stances, prayer in school, LGBTQ rights or lack of rights, and also blue laws are uh, the types of things that the the Christian right, Christian nationalist groups are going to focus on. Blue laws, for those of you who don't know, it's basic, as I understand, there are laws restricting certain activities um, on holy days on days of sabbath so if you've ever been in a town where you can't buy a beer on game day because that's sunday that's the lord's day that i believe is an example of like a blue law um jay that's funny you, you ever... i've always known a blue law to be laws that are categorically ignored because they're like you can't ride an elephant on the streets of new orleans after 10 p.m oh maybe maybe i got that one wrong is that what a blue law is we're gonna we're we're doing this one live. Yeah, we, let's do I'm it live. I'm very curious. Yeah. Because if I <laughs> did I get that one wrong? Hold on, hold on. Because unlike these doomsday preachers, I will take accountability for my mistakes. Blue law, also known as Sunday laws, are laws designated to restrict or ban some or all Sunday activities for religious or secular reasons, according to Wikipedia. Our greatest news source. Of course. I mean, but it could also there could also be multiple meanings here. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking that maybe it. The blue laws are more of a like a colloquial term rather than a yeah. formal term. Yeah, uh, one of uh, Merriam-Webster, one of numerous extremely rigor- uh, rigorous laws designed to regulate morals and conduct in colonial New England. Um, blue law, da 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 da. Sec- basically, forbidding certain secular activities on a Sunday, at least as it pertains to uh, American Christianity. I think is in this case is what we'll go with. Um, Though I do know that there's laws pertaining to riding elephants that, like, down Market Street, like, you need, like, a permit or something. So, that's fun. Yeah, maybe we'll do one on that. Elephant uh, law propaganda (laughs) of the early 20th century. Um, So, you know, a good example of the Christian nationalist uh, effort in the modern United States would be something called Project Blitz. Um, Have either of you heard of Project Blitz? Nope. nope, I have not. Okay, so that's that's on purpose. Okay, basically, this is what Project Blitz is. Uh, it's a playbook, effectively, uh, of talking points and model bills. Right? It's considered like a bill uh, bill mill, uh, if if that term makes sense. Uh, designed to further the goal of codifying Christianity into federal and more particularly state laws. Okay, because it's easier to get away with it that way. Uh, it was created by a collection of Christian right groups, most notably the Congressional Prayer Caucus Foundation which is the nonprofit affiliated with the Congressional Prayer Caucus, which is made up of, like, scores of uh, uh, congressional members. Um, I think it was founded in, like, 2005. They already have their own mythology, like the myth of Room 219, where one of these old white dudes led a prayer, and then it became the fucking Prayer Caucus, and it's all very silly. But, you know, the prayer books uh, from various years, they're available online. Again, I'll link them in the show notes, all right? So... They uh, outline talking points and model bills focused on teaching Bible studies, religious history of the United States, etc. Okay. And it also educates, uh, emphasizes educating the public on the United States, quote, Judeo-Christian heritage, uh, which is a very silly term. And I'll get into that more on net week's episode judeo-christian heritage um and the genesis of the nationalist movement but spoiler alert it had a lot to do with communism so you can Oop. yeah <laughs> you can probably <laughs> guess figure, right? you can probably fill in the blanks where they're going with that but that's a fun one i i promise um 
What's really fun with the uh, Project Blitz playbooks is when you compare the 2017 version to the 2021 version. Because, you see, the only reason we know about it is because in 2017, 2018, a lot of mainstream media outlets did extensive... Um, reporting on this okay so the language of the two different versions are very funny when you think about that for example in the 2021 version it explicitly says in the introduction that the purpose of these model bills and talking points is not to form a theocracy not to form a theocracy that word doesn't theocracy doesn't appear one time in the 2017 version so the implication is maybe they were trying to form a theocracy, but for legal reasons, now they have to explicitly say we're not doing that. Another thing in the 2017 version, um, that contained model uh, resolutions, right? Specifically aimed at vilifying uh, queer marriage and sexuality. All right. So like, for example, they list uh, they list the, the higher incidence of negative outcomes for queer community members, such as health issues, mental health issues, uh, the preponderance for being victims of violence. And they frame those negative outcomes as consequences of, quote, choosing to engage in their sexual identities and communities rather than being, you know, the result of being vilified and victimized, you know, in the community at large. So that's fun. That I just wanted to share that because I feel like that's that's a pretty good kind of primer for what the Christian right, Christian nationalist movement is doing and uh, continuing to do in this country. Jelan, you you went to a couple of religious organizations. You said did, was there was there a lot of um, uh, talking points on how to get uh, God into into politics and and shit like that? Any 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 marriage so, of the secular and and religious when you're growing up? Uh, so not that I remember, and uh, I guess it would make sense being that I was in middle and elementary school. I'm um, never surprised these days. Well, there's one other thing I want to point out. I didn't say at first about the Catholic school that I went to. It was a predominantly African-American Catholic school at that. So I feel like their their politics may have been different. It was also... Uh, very close to uh, downtown Nashville. So it, I feel like there was really more of a sense of community rather than, you know, us trying to go out and uh, be missionaries or <laughs> indoctrinate the youth to be involved in politics. It was really just, you know, kind of basic in its sense. <clears throat> um, probably the... The most outstanding thing about that school is that they forced a religious study class on us. Um, they didn't like me too much in that class. Even at a very young age, I used to ask <laughs> questions that uh, just kind of challenged ideologies. And uh, it often just came to because I said so. So that was probably the biggest thing uh, in regards to indoctrin indoctrinization, where they just said, don't worry about why, just believe what I say. I mean, okay. I mean, the, I suppose to be fair, the basis of faith is not proof; it's faith, it's belief. So, I suppose by its very action, questioning faith is going to be problematic. However much you should do it, you know, it, it will always come down to that. It's like it just is. Okay, John the Baptist, fucking awesome. All right, <laughs> he just was. You know, and. uh Joe, I know you've had some experience, probably. I, I have no doubt that you've engaged in a lot of discourse regarding um, the re the involvement of religion in, in politics and in the secular world. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, 
looking back, like I'm thinking back like on my own personal experiences, like we, we were really raised to be little activists and like, but it wasn't like ever like for like explicitly political things. It was things like prayer in schools, right? So we would petition our schools to let us do an event that we called See You at the Pole, where we would gather around the flagpole and pray, you know, out in, up in public. You know, we would petition the school to let us put up, you know, anti-abortion, you know, propaganda all over the place. Because, you know, we, were, we got really involved with, you know, the March for Life movement. Um, what else? Oh, and then also like all that was like right around 2007, 2008, what was happening around that in California prop eight. So we are mobilized for prop eight as well. So it's like, like looking back, like there were some things that were political, but not explicitly, you know? So, yeah. And it's the sort of the implied language that, uh, that is really, at the heart of like these in God we trust type bills that I was just talking about with project Blitz. Yeah, exactly. That was the difference between 2017 and 2021 is that they reworded the language to at least give themselves plausible cover that they weren't doing the thing that it's pretty obvious that they're doing. And, you know, as we said, I'm not going to get down on anyone for being religious or, or, or spiritual just because you are, if that improves your connection with your community and you're not harming people and contributing to, you know, the propaganda that harms people, then, Hey, more power to you. You know, it's hard to get on in the world. Now, my problem, I think all our problems obviously is when this translates into something kinetic and violent, like the January 6th insurrection. So, Joe, you you mentioned this, and I kind of forgot the the religious overtones of what went on that day, you know. So I had to go back and watch a few videos and remind myself, right? And that 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 one was hard to do. I I went deep down the uh, the black hole of YouTube on this one, and I came across a video um, by a uh, by a a reporter for the New Yorker, right? His name's Luke Mogelson, and um, he actually managed to take video following the rioters all the way into the Senate chambers. And this dude is brave because th some of these scenes are insane, right? So I, I found the clip of the prayer you mentioned last week, Joe, and I want to play the audio, right? But before that, um, I want to just set the tone uh, and play some video from earlier, a few minutes, I guess maybe 30 minutes before that took place, right? So this first clip is from Mogelson's video, right? It was taken outside the Capitol building, uh, just as a large group of people, many of whom are wearing MAGA hats, storm uh, the recently breached doors and windows. And I know that this is a video, but I isolated these clips because I think the audio kind of will speak for itself on this one. If they don't fix the shit, we're gonna fucking one fucking day. Millions of Americans are out. To protect the Constitution of the United States, Catch that bit at the end. Fuck you, police. I sure did. Uh, it, I, it always love it. boggles <laughs> my mind how how much anger these people have pent up. Um, and, and I know that it's a, a flame that's been fanned for for years on end. And, you know, it's kind of a this explosion of a 
bottling of emotions, but it's still, it's just strange to me that, you know, their religion is supposed to be centered in love and acceptance, and there's so much angry, uh, angry people out there just ready to explode and say, fuck the world. <laughs> I I don't know. It makes me think of like, you know, there's Jesus and then there's other Jesus, you know? I, um, there's angry Jesus. My friends like to call, yeah. <laughs> my friends like to call it GOP Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's definitely, definitely the Jesus that Joel Osteen likes to follow, oh, you know, who, who, pre- uh, he, who loves to preach about you know, health and wealth. You know, I, I love, my favorite thing is pointing out how these guys love to point out that, you know, following Jesus will, you know, make you wealthy, healthy and lead to good relationships. And who do they point to? They point to Jesus, a homeless, broke, you know, all of his friends abandoned him uh, as he was being murdered by the state, you know, like murdered like a lot. And, you know, and and just a real quick to to step away from that um, kind of what you're talking about, Joe, that's sort of interesting because that that makes me think of the uh, the Catholic Church, for example, how like the the idea of a I I can't remember what it's called, but there was there was infighting in Mexico, actually, and Central America in the uh, I believe it was in the 80s when um, certain preacher or priests were trying to teach a type of gospel that like was trying to coach um people who were downtrodden in that area to you know like crushed under the boots of government to rise up for themselves to work for a better life in this life not just work you know kneel stand kneel stand pray for the afterlife and the church was just like you can't do that you can't teach people to stand up for themselves i forget what it was called there's a certain type of gospel and it was it became it turned into like infighting in the church it was very weird you know yeah, it's very interesting how people forget, like, because this was like one of my biggest like issues with most people that are Christian is they focus solely on the afterlife and like, let's get people to heaven. And it's like, they forget that the whole charge that Jesus gave us was to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And that, you know, the earth isn't going to get wiped away. Like when Jesus comes back, he's going to rebuild the earth is you know, what is literally in Revelation. That's not what's taught. That's not what people, you know, people like to preach the fire and brimstone and they don't look into the actual Bible themselves. Yeah, and that kind of makes me think, if you were supposed to build the, if we're supposed to build earth as it is in heaven, right? Does that mean like, does Jesus use Bitcoin? Seriously. Christ bucks? You know, I, (laughs) yeah. NFT Jesus. (laughs) And that's that's I think that'd be more the Joel Osteen Jesus. Yeah, right I, dude, I'm know, shocked since they don't care about climate change at all because it's not about you know being a good steward of the earth or anything. No, like that. no, no. We're 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 gonna frack this fucker for all it's worth. Jesus said that. Look it up. It's totally in there. Uh, yeah, that's in second hesitations. <laughs> You know, and, and it, it, that really goes to show you know what we're talking about, like the level of confidence and the zealotry on display. You know that day and how people have managed to either willfully, you know, misunderstand or believed false prophets in their, you know, misinterpretation of of what the New Testament, you know, apparently says. I mean, you know, it's like, if you think about it, like, I cannot believe in hindsight, these people really thought that day that they were going to overthrow the government, right? And, you know, I'll acknowledge that when compared to the police response to the social justice uprisings of the preceding summer related to the murder of George Floyd, these people got off fucking light, okay? And I acknowledge that someone did get shot and killed, 
okay? We can have that discussion separately on the on the valid use of force in that case, but let's not kid ourselves. These people got off goddamn light. I was shocked they got as close to that building as they did. It was unbelievable, you know? And they're continuing to get off light. Um, though I did hear a story the other day, uh, or not here, I read it, uh, about a, a judge increasing the sentences because he thought that they were too light um but it wasn't it was still light like oh from 15 to 45 days in jail which <laughs> i don't know i feel like if jelani ran up inside the house chambers and talked about murdering uh some of our politicians that jelani would be in jail for a little bit longer than 45 days D- my dude you would be done what, what if you were carrying fucking zip ties you know like zip ties and a mask holy shit and well, shit. Even if he just stole something from Nancy Pelosi's office. Yeah. Oh my God. Right? The fact that, and you know, that's the other thing. We're going off topic here, but I, I feel we must since we sort of broached this topic. Like, as we all know, like the the inequality and the double standards in the system are so fucking apparent when you listen to these guys who are, you know white male middle-aged dudes bitching about how unfair they're being treated in jail, you know, and they're getting all this press coverage, you know, like, like the Q shaman goes on his hunger strike for his organic food and he gets it. And I was like, dude, you, like y- y'all need to take a tour of the jails and prisons in the United States. I mean, you like take a, like, just read about Rikers Island, you know, and, and, and just like you're, you're, you are a, you're, you're like decades, maybe a century, two centuries too late for this outrage. And it just, it boggles my mind. But Rikers Island, go down to Alabama. Shit, you know? <laughs> oh, God. And anyways, anyways, I could go on. That'll, that prison propaganda, that's, that'll be another one. See, we're, we're racking up the ideas right here. Oh, there's never a shortage. That's yeah, fucked up. All right, so we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move along, move along. Uh, Joe's got a game day to get to. So, uh, <laughs> You know, so, so, you know, we move into the building now, right, in, uh, in Mogelson's video, right? Um, things are a little less chaotic, and by that, I mean not as many people are physically fighting the police, right? But you can see a lot of, quote, patriots roaming the halls, right? Uh, there are chants that imply that someone is going to be executed, and you can hear people saying things that they probably read on a meme, but don't really land when they are spoken out loud. So uh, you were you were afraid of Antifa? Well, guess what? America showed up. You know, I that that okay. So like when I hear that, I I that would make more sense with a visual aid, right? Um, like a dude standing on the White House lawn with a fucking American flag. Instead, it's coming from a dude in five eleven tactical pants who I'm pretty sure he's like a dentist and he's got an American flag for a cape. You know, like like you, Joe, you were saying LARPing. You know. Yeah, exactly. These these guys are you know just weekend larpers, and they've just kind of gotten they they've gone away from the D and D table, and they got together for you know DashCon or whatever convention you want to call Unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, they rolled a one that day. So, 
D&D reference. I know games. So, you know, it, it's equal parts silly and horrifying, you know, and I'm no fan of our elected officials, to be clear, Democrat or Republican. Uh, but what happened that day, I mean, I don't think it's an understatement to say that rocked the foundation of our democracy. Like, these fucking people breached the Capitol, and some of them, I, I gotta believe, they were intent on killing some people, you know? There was the gallows set up, people with zip ties, and people were openly talking about this. You know, and these people were sold on a demonstrably false narrative and they followed through on that physically, you know, and at least with religion, I can't prove that you're wrong in your beliefs, so to speak. Um, unlike election fraud narratives uh, or the false belief that Pence could have seized power and stopped the certification of electoral votes. And that's what these people were willing to put their lives on the line for. And that to me is frightening when you merge like the demonstrably not true with like zealous religious belief, this is what you come up with. Um, and, and I, I, I want to say that this is the last time we'll see something like this in our lifetimes, but I think I'm being, I think I'm being overly optimistic. I don't know. I'd also like to point out that it's just particularly interesting to me that um, in 2016, when uh, Mr. T won the election, uh, people accused the liberal people of not taking it well, and you know they were annoyed about the the women's march and uh, any other demonstration that took place in D.C. Um, but when they lost, they literally stormed the Capitol <laughs> and have been making excuses about it ever since. Right, right. I mean, like right off the bat, there was like, oh, it was secret Antifa. There were agents provocateur. Um, it was the FBI and all that stuff. And we talked about this a little in previous episodes. I'm like, you know, you take one look at, at that. You look at the social media and, and the evidence that was leaked. You know, I forget. I, I don't know if it was uh, Gab or Parler or which um, platform leaked like all of their GPS data for who was in the Capitol that day. But I mean, it's, I think that was parlor. it's, it was a parlor. I'm pretty sure it was yeah, parlor. pretty, I mean, it's pretty damning stuff. So I, I don't buy into that. And yeah, it's, it's the idea. It's funny, Jay. Cause like, that's the whole thing. The right wants to call the left, like, you know, snowflakes and we're triggered and we need safe spaces. And these guys literally try to overthrow the government when they lose an election. I, so it's all projection. I think I said this last week, but one of the biggest things that these guys do, their biggest propaganda tactic is projection. All they do is they accuse the other side of doing exactly what they're doing, but they just try to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it works because then they just get into their, their echo chamber. You know, they get on Gab and Getter and Telegram and Rumble and, you know, and when someone tries to call them out on it, they get they do the whataboutism and the media just gets stuck talking about the whataboutism. And that's in the best case. I mean, you want to talk about the worst case. I mean, the, you know, I feel that the three of us, for example, point this out. We're pretty secure in what we're doing right now, offering commentary on these nut jobs, mostly because we're all men. I mean, you know, think about Gamergate. You know, I, the Internet is awful to women so it's like in the best case yeah we get messed with a little bit maybe we get dragged a little bit in the worst case you know people threaten to kill you they dox you they stalk you and you know there's there i, I feel remiss if i don't point out that women seem to be the the central sort of focus of the ire of these right-wing uh troll douchebags but yeah that's the world we live in so that's fun uh, there's there's another episode uh uh, misogynistic propaganda. We're write these down. 
So where were we? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is all. So all, all that stuff we just listened to, right? That's all building to, you know, the, the crescendo, which is this ritualistic prayer in the Senate chamber, right? Um, you know, you, if you watch more of the video, right at this point, uh, a bunch of people are in the Senate chamber, Senate chamber, and they're rifling through papers. They're taking pictures and videos, uh, th- thinking that they're going to find evidence of fraud or crimes, right? As if that type of shit would be typed up and brought to the Senate, Senate chambers. Okay. So before they leave, the Q shaman leads a rambling prayer that reminds me less of like spiritual devotion and more of like a halftime locker speech. Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. Amen. 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 Let's all say a prayer in this sacred space. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for gracing us with this opportunity. Thank you. Let me take a bath. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. For this opportunity to stand up for our God given unalienable rights. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building, to allow us to exercise our rights, to allow us to send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists that this is our nation, not theirs. That we will not allow the America, the American way of the United States of America to go down. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for filling this chamber with your white light of love, with your white light of harmony. Thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you and that love Christ. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for blessing each and every one of us here and now. Thank you, divine creator God for surrounding and filling us with your divine, omnipresent white light of love and protection and harmony. Thank you for allowing the United States of America to be reborn. Thank you for allowing us to get rid of the communists, the globalists, and the traitors within our government. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Yeah. I, I just, I, it still strikes me funny that, you know, how against globalism a lot of these, you know, Christians are, but then, you know, they say, you know, the Bible says to take the message of Christ to the ends of the earth, you know, it's like, is Christ the ultimate globalist? They meant the end of the flat earth, earth Joe. Uh, so, sorry, I forgot which group <laughs> we were dealing with. Uh, I'd also like to point out that, at least from their perspective, they feel like they were let into the Capitol by the Capitol Police. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, we all know that, of course, the, the police were understaffed and, and overwhelmed, but they think that they were just allowed in. Granted, there is a little bit to stand on there, being that literally yesterday uh, a Capitol Police officer was indicted for uh, not really directly helping during the insurrection, but after the fact, telling people to get rid of evidence off social media directly. Yeah, no, he's he's in trouble, and you can see in some of um, uh, this reporter's video, there's a port there there is a portion where a single Capitol police officer very calmly goes into the Senate chamber and asks them to leave, you know, and they're like their their answer to him is like, yeah, we'll go in a minute, guy. Like people in a restaurant that won't get up from the table, you know, it's like it's treated with <laughs> with that air, you know, of seriousness, <laughs> and. and you know, it's just, I just found that so funny. I mean, there's a lot of what he said. And Joe, you kind of mentioned it, the globalist thing. That's also like Alex Jones um, conspiracy theory type shit. You know, we're, we're, we're getting way off the reservation. And, you know, the Q shaman, uh, I think his name is Jake Chandless, I believe. Uh, Chansley, excuse me, Jacob Chansley. Um, just 
note, most recently, he pled guilty to one federal uh, felony, I believe, last month, and his sentencing is scheduled for November 17th. Um, in theory, he could get up to 20 years, but realistically, he's probably going to get far less. People are estimating three, four, maybe five years, including time served, federal time at 85%. He could do, he could do a couple more years in prison, so... You know, but God forbid if he was a person of color carrying a couple grams of marijuana. Holy shit, man! He went on the he went on Infowars with Alex Jones like not too long after that, and like Alex Jones was trying to throw him under the bus. Um, if anybody is uh, as big a fan of podcasts as I am, check out Knowledge Fight, which is like the foil to Infowars. Those guys are fucking hilarious. They cover it extensively. But yeah, no, the his privilege, his white privilege was definitely showing through this whole proceeding. You know. That right there is the consequence of this type of propaganda, right? Um, sometimes you get arrested and you get a, um, you know, a prison sentence that is, you know, I'd say nominal. Um, you know, and I want to say that January 6th, uh, it's probably not going to be the high water mark of political violence in our lifetimes in the name of false prophets. You know, I, I, I could say that, but that's... I'm being wishful, right? But what's really disheartening, and, and Jay, you kind of already touched on this, is the fact that, you know, elected officials, active duty military members, and law enforcement officers were present for the insurrection, as in participating, right? And some of whom have since been arrested and charged with federal crimes. To give an example, um, GOP delegate from West Virginia, Derek Evans, for example, is being charged with a pair of misdemeanors for his participation in the riot. I'm pretty sure he posted video of himself. Active duty Marine Corps officer Major Christopher uh, Warnagiris uh, has been charged with, I think, nine counts of various crimes. Um, Windermere police officer Kevin Tuck uh, was arrested along with former cop son Nathaniel Tuck for their involvement in the riot. Uh, the elder Tuck, by the way, uh, resigned around the time of his arrest. And Jay, as you mentioned, most recently, a Capitol police officer was arrested like the other day for advising people via social media to scrub evidence of their involvement because they could be prosecuted, which is fucking wild, you know, because at least one Capitol police officer died directly because of this. And I believe a two more committed suicide shortly after who's That's to say correct. if this was related you know <sighs> not every public employee present was arrested obviously so and we are going to talk about one of them so joe jay i mentioned this to you earlier but um uh, jay i'll start with you uh, anything you've gleaned from the uh pennsylvania state senator douglas mastriano so uh, i actually went in checked out his website uh, i with politicians for me it's i'm always about what they present forward because their constituents aren't going to necessarily go and you know look at even cnn or abc what they might have to say uh, about this particular politician but they'll go on their website and kind of consume the content that they push forward and i was watching a video about him arguing against mass mandates for school children. And it's just very interesting, just the doubt he tries to sow around science and the this idea of personal freedom versus the 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 health of the greater good, which is it's just ironic to me because being in public office, you're supposed to be in this position where you're looking out for the greater good. Uh, and some of that may entail fighting for certain types of personal freedom, but you have to learn the difference between 
you know, uh, a worldwide pandemic and the government overstepping their reach into your life. But this is the type of information he was putting forward, just making it look like he was fighting for freedom when really he's fighting against <laughs> uh, a proper health care in the country. He's fighting for donations well, he, he, is what he's fighting for. So, so one of the things that you, you, you've said is he actually just kind of said a couple of big dog whistles because science, you know, people who, who are scientists, they obviously you know, don't believe in God. So that they're obviously automatically atheists. And we all know that atheists are purely evil people because you can't be good unless you have God in your life. So that's you're, you're kind saying of that's the logic. That's you're saying that's how they that's frame kind it. Of that, yeah, well, that, the 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 people that have been that listen to these people or to them have been conditioned this way for decades now. At this point, you know, and, and so that's it, it's kind of a, a perfect storm of things uh, of where people who have been primed to not believe anything that comes out of science, and then anything that that uh, is against what they specifically believe is obviously against God. So to not, not trust those sources. So it's like, that's kind of how this propaganda has blown out of control is. And, and so they're able to couch it in terms that sound normal to most normal people by just saying science, but there's several layers of, you know, propaganda that's built been built up over the decades. Yeah, particularly in the, in the case of Mastriano, um, he doesn't carry the anger that you saw from the Capitol rioters. He, he does it in a much more subdued way, which, you know, it helps him capture maybe some audiences that, you know, they, they'll be like, oh, well, those people at the Capitol riot, they're not my people, but people like Mastriano are because he's kind of level headed and but he's still kind of saying the same things just in a much calmer way. Yeah, Mastriano is, uh, you know, he, he's been described as a Christian nationalist, and he's been asked about that directly by several reporters. He firmly, flatly denies and refuses to accept that title, obviously, because he knows what that invokes. Um, and for our listeners, Mastriano is the Pennsylvania state senator representing the 33rd district. He's a retired army colonel. I uh, worked in intelligence mostly, I believe, uh, ironically enough. Uh, and um, uh, let's see. And you remember when we were talking about uh, Project Blitz a little bit earlier, right? So keep those talking points in mind while I talk about Mastriano. So as I said, he doesn't consider himself a Christian nationalist. Most of them don't. Uh, but he makes no secret of his view of Christianity and its role in American government. He just doesn't necessarily explicitly say it, right? The New Yorker actually did an excellent piece on Mastriano. I linked that in the show notes. Uh, and it talks about the man at length, right? So the writer Eliza Griswold references a podcast interview from 2018, right? Um, called I think it's called Crosspoint, in which Mastriano talks about his faith in relation to the military. He's also pumping up a book he did on uh, Sergeant York, right? So in the podcast, Mastriano talks about his, about his faith, about being a soldier, his time in Desert Storm, and a book he wrote about Sergeant York. Um, and while he's talking up his book, right, he's telling a story about a soldier who gets killed in World War I and how all those soldiers were mostly good Christian men, good Christian men, right? And he goes into a brief tangent that makes clear his thoughts uh, on the relation between Christianity and the government, at least in the form of the military. Obeying God is not easy. It's not easy being a Christian then or now. But what you do when you walk in, in obedience to God's word, 
and, and stand boldly for him as you build your character muscle. You know, in, in all the military services, we have core values. The army has them. All the services do. In fact, most Western armies do. And although the folks in D.C. and elsewhere might not want to admit it, these are Christian values because they're designed to have our soldiers walk in a way that's worthy. Walk in a way where you try to do the right thing every day. Don't give in to what's easy or expedient, but do the right thing. And that's building your moral character muscle. And so then you become, just like when you lift weights, if you, if you do lots of uh, military presses and curls and et cetera, you'll, you'll build uh, body mass or muscle mass rather. And that's the same thing is true with doing the right thing every day. Walking obedience to God's word, you'll build your moral character muscle in your heart. So, I mean, this is that's pure Christian nationalism right there. He's excluding anything that's not Christian by declaring that the values of the military are Christian. Well, and it's pure Christian military propaganda because it completely ignores the fact that, you know, until uh, what? Until Eisenhower was president, most or most Christians didn't like the military because they saw it as a corrupting influence on young men. Yeah. Or how about the fact it, that um, until Truman, the military, like everything else in American society, uh, was segregated. So, I mean, there's that, too, which is hardly in keeping with Christianity. I don't give a fuck what they say. Yeah, but I mean, also, it's like a lot of this stems from the belief, the, the wrong belief that America was a Christian nation. You know, they believe that that the the founders were Christian when at best they were deists. And uh, yeah, it's like I think a good book that would that explores that uh, is called The Myth of a Christian Nation uh, by uh, Greg Boyd. Right, I'll give that give that one a read. Uh, I've always wondered how they've come to that conclusion when, you know, one of the big <laughs> things about America is that they were trying to separate church and state like separate the idea of religious <laughs> rule and so we're doing that but we're also a christian nation like how do you resolve that and and that's kind of that's the game they're in is that with all these like model bills and model resolutions and talking points that therein lies the 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 question is how do we get the u.s to do the thing that the u.s absolutely is not supposed to do there is a clear intended separation of church and state but that's where their philosophy comes into play i think i think is like they're 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 trying to make the argument that contrary to popular which is to say everyone's belief the foundation of the united states was supposed to be i mean i guess as a theocracy as a christian theocracy i think is what they're getting at here um well and, and there is there is still the belief of the separation of church and state but it's not to protect the state from the corrupting influence of the church. In their mindset, it's the belief that the state is going to corrupt the church, not the church to corrupt the state. Oh, okay. So like, it's like the church can dictate what the state does, but not the other way around. Essentially, they they assume that it's good that the state would turn it into a civil religion, kind of like uh, the cults of you know ancient Rome, where they would worship the emperors. So that's just kind of the mind. That's the first yeah, time I've heard it explained major, that way. That's, we, wow. we, we're doing some major logical. <laughs> biggest thing about Christian nationalism is you better get your, your long jump ready because we're <laughs> jumping to conclusions, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up. It's like they're, you know, they're going against the idea of, you know, the worship of the emperors. Let's bring back the Trump golden idol. If we, you know, I, we, we already broke that one. Let's take it all the way yeah. back to Exodus. Oh, Christ almighty. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and and you can see what he's doing there. You know, he's 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 declaring that military values are Christian values. And just real quick, you know, I was in the army, all right, and I don't remember feeling like I was instilled with Christian values. <laughs> um, and I didn't come across anyone who spoke about it, right? If I did, it was usually a chaplain's assistant, and I just walked away. Um, you know, we mostly got drunk on base, uh, walked around uh, when deployed, and tried our best not to get court-martialed. Now, granted, I joined the Army several decades after this guy, and I was enlisted. He was an officer, which kind of my own personal bias tells me all I need to know about him. You know, but yeah, that attitude is pure Christian nationalism. You know, the assertion that the foundation of the military is Christian you know, and I wonder what he would think about uh, the end of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, or the fact that the military officially allows for worship in any way you see fit, provided you're not, you know, physically harming others or yourself. You know, uh, in basic training at Fort uh, Benning, we had a Wiccan. We had a no-shit Wiccan. And dude was allowed to be in the woods for an hour by himself to meditate once a week during basic training. So... I you know, I, I, I don't know where... Wiccans are awesome. I just want to throw that out there. Right? This dude was actually really cool. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for all Wiccans based on him, but this dude was actually a really cool dude. Um, and uh, he ended up uh, dropping out of uh, basic training, but that was a different story. Yeah, I feel like that doesn't mesh well with the whole <laughs> army vibe. No, no. He was, he was, and presumably still is a very well-read, um, intellectual guy. I, 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 I think he joined the army on a whim, frankly, and it definitely didn't jive. Either whim. Sometimes people join, uh, I don't want to say because they have no other choice, but because it is the best choice for them in terms of a path forward in life, um, either protecting themselves from the turmoil in their life or, kind of giving themselves a boost uh, in terms of money and ed education and a, or a sense of purpose and direction. I mean, you could say that a few of what you just listed, that's a reason why people join a church. You know? Absolutely. So, I mean, I got rejected from the army uh, because of my asthma, so that's why I joined the church. You joined in 2008, bro. They were taking anybody back then. They were like... Dude, that's when I graduated oh, high school. That's when I tried nah, to join. <laughs> that's okay. I had back surgery, and they were like, "You got? do you have two thumbs? Can you... You got a trigger finger? Can you see, like, to the wall? All right, you're in. Whatever. We don't care. <laughs> but that's the army for you. Army. <laughs> Anyways. Um, oh, also, just for fun, real quick, uh, from that podcast, here's just another part of it where Mastriano uh, gives a, a demonstration in getting history wrong, literally, in this case. And it doesn't matter because he is a man who said it with confidence. Years go, go you know, later on, your children ask you, hey, dad, hey, mom, why are these stones here? You'll remember what the Lord your God did for you. And that's that's how history is so interesting. You know, one one last thing here is uh, history is a great English word. You know, a lot of times in Bible studies, we hear from pastors and others in Greek, you know, here's there's a hundred words for love, you know, that kind of thing. I'm exaggerating. But, you know, in, English has good words, too. And in this case, history, history is a compound word made up of two, his story. When we make his story our our story we can change history and that's how god has a good sense of humor in english yeah you know i think the idea of the memorial stones uh really really is key and, and quick pivot quick pivot from the host there didn't he wanted to get off that line of love uh, of levity <laughs> big old swing and a miss from mastriano um, history is not a compound of his story. It comes from the Greek historia, meaning inquiry or knowledge acquired through investigation. Uh, that required one Google search. Um, 
Apparently the his story thing, that's actually a talking point from second wave feminism from the 70s, right? Wherein women rejected the word in favor of her story, okay? Now, to be clear, uh, those women weren't wrong in their general assertion that history was written and propagated by men throughout history. I, I agree with that point. But, and I also think that they were aware that they weren't, there's no sort of linguistic basis for what they were saying, but it was catchy. You know, it was, it was a catchy thing that they said. And Mastriano just misattributed their propaganda to, to, uh, to the etymology of a word. So that was really fun. I just wanted to throw that in there that he's dumb because he is. Yeah, no, that's, that's just, everything is bad. And like, he was like, he, he's just already throwing out there that he, he's not for, you know, original text criticism at all. Cause he's like, oh yeah, pastors like to go to the Greek, but I like to stick to English. It's like those, you know, those dumb fucks who are like, oh, the King James was good enough for the disciples and it's good enough for me. And it's like, what the hell is wrong? Yeah. With and you? come to think of it, that also implies that English is the language of God because God has a sense of humor by putting his and story together history you know, which right. is very, very America-centric, you know? So, anyways, uh, that New Yorker piece, it also discusses uh, Mastriano's apparent Islamophobia, which he reportedly expressed by way of social media over the years. Um, this is from the New Yorker. Quote, for the next three decades, uh, and this is after he got back from uh, Desert Storm, Quote, for the next three decades, he continued to serve in military intelligence in Iraq and Afghanistan, where he appears to have developed a dim view of Islam. In recent years, he has often spread Islamophobic memes online. In one, he spread a conspiracy theory that Ilhan Omar, the Democratic congresswoman from Minnesota, uh, directed fellow Muslims to throw a five-year-old off a balcony. In another, he shared a graphic that read, Quote, Islam wants to kill gay rights, Judaism, Christianity, and pacifism. In yet another, he encouraged the idea that the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris was started by Muslims, capturing a photo of two dark-skinned men grinning, uh, something wicked this way comes. So, that's fun. There's just so much to unpack there. <laughs> um... <laughs> Where do you want? Where do you want to start? Just uh, let's start with the meme of Ilan Omar telling other Muslim people to throw a five-year-old baby off a balcony. That just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, just period. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's just very weird to try and propagate that type of obvious misinformation. Um, and I, I guess it's once again trying to just fan the flames of fury to get people to to stay angry um and then this idea that you know people are, are chasing christians but they're also chasing uh, uh you said uh gay, gay rights yeah, yeah uh yeah. gay rights judaism christianity and pacifism pacifism like that that just once again logically that doesn't mesh <laughs> I, like yeah to, it's okay it's just fan fiction it's just fan fiction <laughs> I, I like these guys are larpers and they're excellent fanfic writers I, you know it's I, I think i talked about it uh, last a little bit last week with my experience with you know the group i was a part of how we literally had a weekend where we would larp that Christianity was made illegal in the U.S. Right, and right. we had to go hide in the oh, woods. Didn't, didn't you say you had to listen to Obama speeches? <laughs> yeah, when I got caught and put in prison, we had uh, 
to listen to propaganda, quote unquote, we they put us in these shower houses and just had Obama speeches blaring, which at that point I thought was torture because I was a blatantly, you know, birther anti Obama person at that point in my life. Uh, we're, we're glad to oh, see. We're, we're glad to know present day Joe. Oh, yeah. oh, I was hard. Like I was hardcore on the Tea Party train, dude. Like it, it's so. Uh, it's it's been a trip. As a reformed birther, uh, I just. I just have one question. Um, did you not have faith in the U.S. Uh, I guess government to do their whole due diligence, their background search, to make sure that someone was eligible? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's why that's why Jan Six doesn't surprise me because it's it's just building off of that, you know. I mean, and and not to dig, to, not to put all your business out there in the street, Joe, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that like one of the reasons that you bought into all of that was kind of like a sense of like you have needing a place to belong or am I way off base here? No. Yeah. And, and it's like, I found a, this is actually something I, I've actually been unpacking with my therapist over the last couple of years is that it's like, I found a group who was willing to take me in, who, who saw that I also enjoyed to serve other people and put other people first. And to the point where they would abuse that to, uh, and overuse me, like extend me out, put me in places where I wasn't comfortable. And then would just tell me, have faith, have faith. So it's and that that's how these these groups and organizations work. And like when things start going badly, they just oh, you just didn't have enough faith, and it's just total gaslight, like Rainmaker, but with faith. Exactly. <laughs> Glad you saw yourself through. I, I like present day Joe very very much. So oh, me, me me too. And it's kind of funny because that changed happened when I went to a conservative Christian school and got my. Uh, my major in youth ministry and my minor in Bible and theology. It's amazing how that works, right? <laughs> I, 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 right. I will admit I was fairly conservative in my thinking until I kept putting myself into professions where I was surrounded by nothing but that and realized, you know, at the, at the best case, this is all very silly. And at the worst case, like, Ooh, this is getting dangerous. Like this is, yeah, this is, this is not good. You know, I, it's like, I'm glad for the school I went to because they didn't, teach they didn't like most of the christian things i've been a part of they didn't teach me what to think instead they taught me how to have like textual criticism they taught me how to actually like dig into the original language of of the bible and it's like and i real and that's how i realized that there's just so much just lies and propaganda about everything that's too long joe you can't put that on a meme all right i feel like we need to do a whole episode about the the path to changing your mind and, and the healing that goes on after it. And, yeah. Honestly, honestly, it was a good friend, a mutual friend of mine, Matt's, who was not afraid to just laugh and call uh-huh. me out. And in and, and, and love, but, yeah, and that really changed You got to tell me that offline. You got to tell me that about that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe we can agree to get that, like, a little mini episode. We can tell that story uh, for yeah, all yeah. you MAGA people out there. If Joe can do it. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe you can do it. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, so, I mean, that was, that's very uplifting, Joe. And I'm sorry to bring us back down to earth because not everyone's like Joe. Most people aren't like Joe, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, and you know, 
that shit that we were just, uh, you know, I was just quoting from the New Yorker. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg with Mastriano, you know, and it's more Christian nationalism from him. He's elevating Christianity above all other faiths and creating targets in the form of the other, you know, by spreading those memes. Um, it doesn't matter that they're accurate. It just matters that they get you mad. So, you know, how about another hallmark of Christian nationalist policies like abortion, right? Uh, we're all we're a group of three men here. We we're we're good tackling abortion. You know this is going to go well. My body, um, my choice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and we all know how um, how right wingers relate that now to COVID uh, and vaccines. So that's fun. Yeah, that's particularly why I brought it up. <laughs> oh Christ! Oh, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Um, you know. Uh, but starting with abortion, you know, this was once thought to be, you know, the ecumenical uh, moment of common cause between Catholics and evangelicals uh, in the late 1970s. But some historians maintain that this was cover for their less popular agenda, which was resegregating schools. You know, I mean, it, but again, we'll get into that next week mo more. Um, so I want to talk about uh, a so-called heartbeat bill, right? That's w working its way through the Pennsylvania state legislature. Um, Senate Bill 378, of which Mastriano is the prime sponsor. Now, we're all pretty much aware at this point of what's going on in Texas uh, with Senate Bill 8. Uh, they created this asinine law where private citizens can sue anybody who assists with a uh, um, a uh, uh, an abortion that it occurs like if you know like earlier than six weeks or, or when a heartbeat can be detected right it's 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 it, it's fucking weird but pennsylvania's it's, law is more classic it's not it's weird it's it's very crafty way to get around roe versus wade um and there's actually a big fear that a lot of other states are going to start trying to do something like it because uh, there's actually great podcasts about it essentially it revolves around the fact that in roe versus wade you could sue the district attorney for pulling charges uh, against someone committing an abortion. Um, however, this new law, there's no state to sue. You, they really just have people, almost Stasi-like, going after each other. Um, and so it, it keeps the battle uh, on a citizen-to-citizen -citizen level and doesn't let it go up to the government. And I think that's the yes, point. Exactly so that point. way people focus on each other rather than, you know, the elites, right? Yeah, I mean there's there's that too, and and that's like a that's a hallmark of, of you know, divisive American politics. But I mean I yeah, Jay, that's actually an excellent point. Oh, is that is that why the Supreme Court was allowed to just punt on that one in the initial um um Exactly. Uh, a suit that was brought? They were like, Well, you don't really have anyone to to block per se, right? Exactly. That's fucked up. Well, Pennsylvania is more of, I guess I'd call it like heartbeat bill classic. You know, um, it, it has to do with like the state dictating that there shall be no abortions before uh, a heartbeat can be detected, which is give or take six, seven weeks. Right. Um, so I found a, a, a an OAN interview from March of this year regarding the bill. Oh, and Jay, uh, your old friend Christina Bob is back. So. Oh, missed two first names. Yeah, we can't keep her down. She doesn't say much. Um, uh, two two last names doesn't really come in with any hot takes or two first names, excuse me. Um, so Mastriano, right in this uh, March interview, right, he kicks it off by selectively embracing uh, science. Joining me remotely, Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano has some new legislation to introduce called the Heartbeat Bill. Senator Mastriano, what can you tell us about it? 
Thank you, Christine. It's great to be back. So myself and Senator Judy Ward and Representative Stephanie Borowitz in the State House have introduced legislation this week that's called the Heartbeat Bill. And it might sound familiar because about 18 states out there have done this as well. And basically, when you detect a heartbeat, you, that's a baby. And so you hear a heartbeat, you hear a life. And we're using science. They're using science, guys. Okay, so first off, you detect a heartbeat, you detect a life, it's a life, it's a human, that's science, right? So yeah, it's it's never just you know a, a group of cells that have electrical impulses, right? Not not definitely not. No, that's that. too much science. That's you the know? wrong science, Joe. Oh, so. sorry. <laughs> yeah. So oh, my dog, my dog's whining. So uh, hmm. I was just gonna bring up uh, what what happens when that heartbeat stops eight weeks in and can cause complications to the the human that still has a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, that's why, like traditionally, the the belief that life begins at conception is actually a, a relatively new belief. It really came about in the '70s, a long time of road because uh, of rogues, because the Christian nationalists needed to change their agenda from segregation, which was losing steam at that point. And then abortion was just kind of this shiny new, uh, this shiny new thing for everyone to talk yeah, about. Rally yeah, behind. getting back to Paul Weyrich and, and uniting the Catholics and the evangelicals in common cause. You know, exactly. The, traditionally, the belief is that that life starts at breath, like when God breathed life into Adam, right? So it's, it's through the breath. So pretty much anytime you'd say viability, sure, right? sure. I think which which I believe is where the, the back then the twenty four weeks really came into play, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, yeah, but we've got new science, guys. That's Roe v. Wade is old science. We got new science. Well, we've got new yeah. math, too. Now, true. <laughs> now, uh, despite saying that uh, he's using science, right, um, Mastriano is now going to immediately contradict uh, his tacit approval of science in favor of a religious stance. Then he's going to pivot back to a practical stance, and then he says something that is very cringeworthy. Now, look, I'm a, I'm a guy that believes that life begins at conception. But we, it seems like we have to work a way to, to save some lives. You know, some, some folks, you know, in our category of pro-life are like, well, that doesn't protect all life. Yeah, you're right. That's right. So just, should Schindler have turned away since a couple hundred Jews that he saved, he can't save them all. So my goal is let's save some lives using science. And uh, the Democrats are so keen on saying follow the science, especially, you know, during this COVID year. What's interesting they use that as a gimmick to shut down conversation because they're the biggest science deniers. Yeah, using science. I wonder what he thinks about climate change real quick. Um, and yeah, I saw your faces react to that. You heard that right. This son of a bitch just, uh, just compared himself to Schindler. Yeah. I just uh, I also feel like Christian nationalism has this weird obsession with the Holocaust. <laughs> Once again, I, I don't get it. And then the points they, they try to tie themselves to don't always logically make sense. Uh, and yeah, it's just odd. Spoiler alert, it's white saviorism. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, who's, who is it that's always portrayed uh, of liberating the Jews of the camp? It's always the brave American, white American soldiers. Or, or, or right? he's German, but he talks with a British accent in any type of historical it, fiction. Exactly. There, there is always this level of like white saviorism, you know, because if if there's you know there's always the the marginalized is always someone that's 
ethnically not considered white at the time, right? right. Back in the you back know, in nineteen oh two, it's those dirty t- Italians, you know. Eh, exactly. Look at that. Now we hear. So, yeah, no, it's 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 fucked. But you saw what he did there, right? He he was tap dancing a lot on that one, right? First, life begins at conception, and he agrees that this bill doesn't protect all life, right? So that means that this bill should not be acceptable. And if he really believed in what he says, then he just admitted that he's complicit in a bill uh, that that causes what he would consider murder, right? But he does it for the numbers. Yeah, (laughs) but he does. Yeah, it's like that's. How are they pro-life then? It's it's that's why I just call them pro-birth because they're not really pro-life. They're just pro-birth and then saddling people with the responsibility of having a yeah, baby. Yeah, but but fuck your healthcare. You know, once you're born, you, we don't want to know you. You know, and you know, you set that aside. He, believe it or not, Mastriano actually made a harm reduction argument uh, while comparing himself again to Schindler. Right. Um, this dude actually compared himself to someone working against the Nazis during the Holocaust and to great costs to himself, right? And it's the idea that like, oh, well, Schindler couldn't save all the Jews, so he shouldn't have bothered to save any. It's just like, dude, you just made a gun control argument. Do you realize that? You know, it's like, oh, I can't, yeah, it's like, oh, well, you can, if you can't get all the guns and all the gun murders to stop, then why have gun control? Dude, you just did it. You, that, you, did, you used their logic. And he didn't even know he did it, so... That was fun. He loves guns, by the way. That's not surprising because, you know, he's probably, you know, pro just like anybody being able to shoot anybody. Uh, Somebody. Oh, God. This guy's wearing me out. Okay. How we doing? We good? We good? Good. Holding on. All right. I think we're we're moving on. So, you know, Mastriano, he... You know, he responds to a question from Bob about when a heartbeat is heard, and then he pivots into an old racist talking point uh, of the anti-abortion movement. And at what age or how far along does the woman need to be for them to be able to hear or detect a heartbeat? The baby has a heartbeat between six and seven weeks. And if we got this legislation through Pennsylvania, it eliminate about two thirds of all abortions in our state would save so many lives. There's about 30,000 babies killed a year in the womb in Pennsylvania, uh, largely from the African-American and Latino population, by the way. I, I read the uh, state's report on this. They do an annual report you know, from Harrisburg on abortion. And they kind of flipped it. They said almost half abortions are for the Caucasian population. The truth is, which is obviously a large part of our population, but uh, the minority group of our population accounts for over half of all abortions. This needs to end. This is a form of genocide. It's, a, it's, it's just incredible. I think the next generation your generation, Christina, when you're my age, will look back and say how barbaric we were in those days. And, you know, and everyone will agree that was terrible. But right now we have a, an entire party, the Democrat Party, thinks this is okay. Okay. All right. Jay, right off the bat, man. What, what are your yeah, thoughts just, on what this – what do you got? So here's my thing. When, when people use the word majority and minority and then close to 40, 50 percent, like uh, – People are just bad at math, and it, <laughs> it, it annoys me a lot, um, because even if it is 51% African-American to 49% Caucasian, like, that's pretty much even. <laughs> um, <laughs> most most polls, most statistics have some margin of error. Um, also, when they, when they do sometimes uh, throw these numbers out, their averages, like, it's just... Like, come on, <laughs> get over yourself. And 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 almost like what we were talking about earlier, 
like, okay, we're going to save these uh, black babies. Are you going to help take care of them? Uh, because uh, their parents uh, are impoverished. <laughs> um, no, no, bip, bip, bip. You talk, you, that's communism. No, no. Are they, are they just born this with bootstraps? <laughs> yeah, it's, ju- it's just another talking point. It was like, look, guys, we're not racist. We care about the black babies, too. Yeah, babies too. first bootstraps. Ooh, that's something we can sell. <laughs> Maybe we should make some baby bootstraps. Oh, dude, it's on. Yes, that'll be our first merch. <laughs> I, but no, I mean, Jay, you're right, and and it's it's just this thing where it's like it's so obvious. The idea that uh, the 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 anti-abortion movement in in certain facets of the black community that is a real thing. I will I will grant that that is a real thing uh, that happens, and it's it's more nuanced than what Doug Mastriano is going to present. Okay. Having said that, anytime somebody talks about this, uh, who's not from that community, who like is like trying to stand up for, you know, presumably black community, Latinx community, they almost never talk about why uh, an inordinate amount of people of color are receiving abortions. Because let's say for let's say for the sake of argument, they are right. He never mentions what you mentioned, Jay. He never mentions income inequality. He never mentions access to healthcare in the first place, mm. quality sex education in public schools, access or anything. To contraception. That, yes, yes, you know, or or the con, or allowing contraception to be like a not political thing in the first place, because we are talking about Christian nationalists, you know. Yeah, if it was up to this guy, it seems like he would probably only have abstinence-only education, which statistically leads to more pregnancies because people don't understand how to protect themselves and each other. So everybody drink. I've already been drinking and I will continue to drink. <sighs> you know, and, and just to just to go into history just a little bit here. Um, some of this idea um, springs from um, from criticism of Margaret Sanger. Right. Who uh, I don't know if you all know that name. Um, Not at I all. didn't. OK. So she was uh, the founder, really, of Planned Parenthood. Right. And so two things about. Margaret Sanger. Number one, I mean, it's kicked off in the early 20th century. Number one, she did help black women gain access to reproductive care. Okay, that is true. The other thing that's more or less true about her is she was pretty racist and into eugenics. Okay, yeah. So, you see where I'm going with this. To be fair, though, at that point in time, what prominent scientist wasn't a fan of eugenics? Yeah. I mean, they only stopped being a fan of eugenics once, you know, they saw what it actually meant in Germany. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it, Joe. So, <laughs> so yeah. And, and that so that combination of those two facts, right, equals Planned Parenthood is executing black genocide. OK, now, I don't know enough about the history to weigh in on that, but I will point out, um, as I was talking to Anna about this portion, this segment, uh, as she pointed out, it's like Planned Parenthood does way more than just provide abortions. They provide health care, usually to women who have nowhere else to go, you know? It's just like so many things, and so much of their funding is actually from, like, private donations and, like, from nonprofits and stuff like that. I mean, like, they're they're... At any given time, some of these places are hanging on by a fucking thread. So, yeah. So that, that's that's fun. So that's another check mark for Mastriano in his. I also just since we're on the topic, I, I have a quick rant about uh, abortion rights. Um, Lay it on us. I just so they're they're trying harder and harder to make this illegal, which 
the after effect is that, you know, people are going to do this regardless. People are going to get desperate. They're going to find ways to do it. Um, and then since it's illegal, now they're going to end up caught up in the prison system. And you have this whole other burden that you're creating for yourself, all because you don't want to address the core issue, as we mentioned earlier, which is education, <laughs> access to contraception, uh, income inequality, making it so people can actually afford to have a baby in the first place. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Um, and I wish we could uh, tap Mastriano's bank account since he's so willing to have so many babies born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are you are you paying for daycare, Senator? Is that yeah, is that what's going to happen? It, it, it's it would be nice if we had you know a culture of compassion rather than punishment, but we just only seem interested in punishing you, you, each other. You know right? what would be really cool, Joe? It would be nice if there was a uh, a historical figure, someone who we talk about, who talked about loving each other and not judging one another and providing for each other and having compassion. Oh, or, or, <laughs> yeah, right. And it'd be nice if there if that person you know actually had examples of you know lifting up people who were subjected you know legally to you know pretty much enslavement and property. And we're talking about you know women because. Women in ancient Palestine were just property. I mean, hell, they were considered just property up until not too long ago, if we're being honest. Some still exactly. do and consider like, them property. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, people just don't realize, like, and I think a lot of people don't realize how radical of a move that it was that Jesus actually treated women equally and with dignity and respect. Women and prostitutes. We, we're obviously still. Yep. Yep. We're obviously still do, dealing with this two thousand years later. You know, where we just can't give people basic, you know, dignity. No, we no, we don't got time for dignity, man. We got to get our Twitter accounts back, right? But I'm getting ahead of myself. <sighs> okay. So you know, to be clear, you know, Mastriano, he's using one aspect of systemic racism in that last clip and he's reframing it to fit his goals you know it's kind of similar to men who are really into the second amendment you know talking about the need for constitutional carry uh statewide because women are vulnerable to violent attacks you know what i mean that that's a thing with the nra you know empowering women through gun ownership and and carrying firearms and see you know it's funny because for that logic to track right they should also in their propaganda they should include trans people of color in the yay for guns propaganda because that is also a group that is inordinately singled out for violent attacks you know so but you never hear about that no nor do we ever hear about who was the first person to enact gun control we all know is ronald oh, reagan love love that guy love him and uh oh and in california you could have open carry until the black panther party for self-defense decided to take him up on that then magically no more open carry I, funny yeah, yeah thanks funny how that happened yeah so you know, they finish up the interview and Bob asks Mastriano about support for this bill, right? Mastriano, he meanders into science again, COVID vaccine denial, personal agency. And then he, you know, he reveals what this is all really about. And what type of support are you getting for the bill? Uh, fantastic support from the usual suspects, you know, sadly. Uh, it's, uh, it would be nice to see bipartisan support, but... You know, the Democrat Party, they, they just sold their souls on this here. And it's heartbreaking. The, yeah, the science do. is clear. I'd say pull out the partisan politics, pull out, 
you know, the campaign bumper stickers. You know, it's funny. They talk about choice, but they don't want to give you a choice on, you know, vaccine. You know, my body, my choice. I'm going to say an abortion. But OK, time for a vaccine. You have to take it. It's like that's actually your body. And they don't want you to give you a choice. But on somebody else's body, they want, of course, to have the right to kill the baby. So this whole thing here is ridiculous. The support is from the same old side. My goal so is. Flipping the logic, so one of the states that has passed the heartbeat legislation, it needs to go to the U.S. Supreme Court because they could, so they can take a hard new look at Roe v. Wade, which is based off a of false premise and old science. There it is. There it is. Yeah, I mean, based on his logic, right there, we we all can just you know catch being pregnant and have abortions, you know, like like COVID. Yeah, right? and was, you know, at the end, he reveals what they what all these bills are about is getting Roe v. Wade really reversed or greatly narrowed you know, in its authority. But I mean, Jay, you, you kind of said what I was thinking, which was just like, I really, I can't follow where he was going with this. You know, like, it's like, so do we have personal agency? Do we not have personal agency? Is it only in certain cases? Um, what's the difference between vaccine mandates and allowing people to elect to have abortions because it is a human right? I, I, I couldn't follow him. Honestly, he went, he went all over the place. I think he's just saying what he needs to say to get people to donate to his campaign. True. They're not going to think that hard. Yeah, no, you're, you're giving the, the voters too much credit there. <laughs> and I uh, just want to say, you know, speaking as a human being who has empathy for others, uh, fuck all of you involved with uh, this misogynistic bill. Um, the one upshot is the Pennsylvania governor, uh, Democrat Tom Wolf. He has declared he will veto this bill if it comes across his desk. He's already vetoed like two similar ones in recent years. So at least there's that for now. Yeah, well, we'll see because I know this piece of shit is going to hope or probably run for Monster, governor. Yeah, I, I don't think he's got a snowball's chance, but we'll, I've been proven wrong. Yeah, never know these days. So yeah, fuck that guy. And, you know, what's fun about him is that he's theoretically constrained in his rhetoric by electoral norms and rules. Uh, he was recently stripped of a committee chair position. So that was fun. This is the guy up until last month. He was in charge of overseeing an election integrity uh, effort in the state of Pennsylvania. And after several failed attempts to obtain troves of voter data from three different counties, um, he is no longer chair of this election integrity committee. And most recently, he no longer has access to GOP caucus meetings. So he, he doesn't get to sit at the, at the table at lunch anymore. Ooh. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, there they are. The consequences of my actions. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. And I, just for fun, uh, right after his firing, Mastriano took to social media to bemoan how unfair the whole thing is. And the post was quickly deleted. It was like a Facebook Live thing. But fortunately, J.J. Abbott, former press secretary to Governor Tom Wolf, retweeted it before deletion. So I give to you, sad Mastriano, and please note the pausing. And so our cause is weakened and diminished. And so try to get this forensic investigation going. And as you know, I issued the letters. I had the authority to do that. <clears throat> and had it, uh, had it set up to have a voting session of the committee several weeks ago, in fact. And uh, the powers that be uh, made sure that didn't happen. There are ways. I'm not going to go over that. It's not appropriate right now anyway. And so just pray that we get it done and pray that we can stick together. I would say <clears throat> we're not in a very good spot right now. 
So I have to uh, because ask, like what's you, that noise in the background? It needs to happen. I put my name out. He keeps tapping the desk. He he keeps picking oh, up his pen. pen or his glasses. Okay. He's putting them down. He's just nervous tapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, you can hear note note the uh, the continuous uh, clearing his uh, his throat there uh, to get it done. And uh, I've been stopped for the time being. If there's a way I could do it without being stopped, the way around this obstacle, this momentary uh, impediment, you know, I would find it. So uh, burned a lot of bridges, and uh, we're, we're at the at the uh, line of departure and just waiting for them. Yeah, it cuts off from there. But he's he's very sad in that video. Yeah. So this is why like Christian nationalism makes no fucking sense to me because he's like, our cause has been weakened and diminished, but yet also the champions that his cause already has victory over everything. Because you know, as we see in Revelation, Christ has victory over everything, and it's just like. Okay, but then also you don't believe in the theology of Christus Victor. That's why you believe in penal substitutionary atonement. Again, these are deep terms, yeah, you're, right? Yeah, you're going, you're going, you're going deep into the Bible, bro. Yeah. So basically, that's one of the reasons why they believe in punishing people rather than like working toward because they believe that God had to punish Jesus for our and sins. And is an unavoidable side effect. The prison industrial complex continues to thrive, but that's a coincidence. It, exactly. But uh, you know, but it's like, it's, it makes no sense to me how, like how these guys are able to like rah, rah, all this. And, but then everything is such an imminent threat to, you know, possibly throw, you know, throwing the kingdom of God out of, you know, out of alignment. And it's just like, Hold on a second, dude. Do you actually believe what you're saying? No. Or no. are you just using it as propaganda? I, I take, no, he does not. People. He does not believe half of what he says. Maybe he does, I, but I'm, that is secondary to uh, getting votes and getting donations. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the root of the matter is like all of these people that are in positions of power that use this language, they're all using it to be co- coercive. They're trying to, you know, take control other people's mind essentially brainwash them right and that's why they project that that's what the they're, they're baptizing so, their brains joe uh exactly i i want to be a little bit of a naysayer here and i feel like we've reached the point that there are people in control who actually believe this shit um and yeah there's still some element of grifting but i I, he sounded pretty torn up to me. <laughs> <laughs> like he might actually believe this shit and he might actually believe that he's losing a battle that he was born to fight. Um, and it, it's just very interesting to me. Uh, just like some of the other, like the, the more prominent people who are in national politics, how they, they, they're a product of coming up in this world and they really believe this shit. <laughs> And that's why they go around yelling and don't want to work uh, or work with people and, and compromise. It's because they think they're, they want to be martyrs. They, they, they really believe that they're fighting some good fight and that no one else is on their side. And the martyr complex is absolutely huge in Christian nationalism. Uh, I mean, I'll never forget when I was a part of the group in Texas, one of the lessons that they had us teach or that they taught us was about martyrdom. And how did they do that? They simulated taking us out on the basketball court and had us get on our knees and shot us in the back of the head with a paintball gun. What the hell? Exactly. Like the martyrdom complex. Okay, I will be the first to say it. Like that is like on the batshit crazy end of the spectrum. I'm surprised that wasn't the the point that had you say, why am I a part of this group? (laughs) 
Yeah, Joe, how did you not just get up and be like, uh, you know what? No, we're, we're done here. Where's, where's my keys? Decades, decades of buying into Fair propaganda. Enough. Fair enough. And, 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 and the desire to want to fit into those around you is such a strong, mm-hmm. you know, psychological phenomena, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the cognitive dissonance that you give yourself to, in order to fit in around you, which is why these guys keep one-upping themselves because they know, you know, that's what their constituents, that's what their their community wants to hear. That, that That's... I mean, yeah, I, that's a good point. Um, th- Wait, by the do way, do y'all Joe, have ask- helmets on with with the paintball gun? Like paintball guns can leave marks. <laughs> no, no, we did not. We did have helmets on for for. Another Were thing. you guys like uh, Jay? I'll, I'll send you a, a link to a documentary that oh, MSNBC made yes, about us while please, I was there. Yes, please, dude. I heard it's you wild. Mention that last week. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone wants to look it up, you can look up uh, Mind Over Mania. I believe it's on Amazon, but it might not be available in the U.S. right now, but it's there. there I, I may or oh, may not uh, link it in the show notes to an account that may or may not have it. So, you know, you do you do what you will. You're a free will. You can click a link or not click a link. So, you know, yeah. It, God bless damn America. Right. That's a good movie, too, by the way excellent points it's just like in the end like trying to make sense of this doesn't make sense unless we it boils down to a certain level of gain and you know i i guess i'm with you in some respects jay it's like do some of these people really believe what they're saying i yeah yeah some of them um mastriano i for him be personally the jury's still out i he might he might not um it's really a question what i am sure of is what his priorities are number one having power that i know to a certainty so i we can probably agree on that part now having said that uh a sad christian nationalist politician you know didn't get what he wanted and that's that's all fun but do you guys want to see what happens when a guy isn't constrained by professional ethics do you want you want to see that absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) well without any type of uh uh prepping i present to you pastor greg Locke. god's about to bring the whole house down ladies and gentlemen these bunch of sex trafficking mongrels are about to be exposed these bunch of pedophiles in hollywood are going to be exposed for who they are i don't care what you think about fraudulent sleepy joe he's a sex trafficking demon possessed mongrel he's of the left he ain't no better than the pope and oprah winfrey and tom hanks and the rest of that wicked crowd god is gonna bring the whole house down i said he's gonna bring the whole house down he's gonna burn the whole thing to the ground he's gonna expose all these bunch of pedophiles I'm telling you, he's going to expose Kamala Harris for the Jezebel demon that she is. Oh, yeah. Got to finish with that one. <laughs> this, this might be an interesting time for us to talk about the idea of myth making <laughs> and really how these ideas get seated. It, it's not just in QAnon forums that these ideas get seated in people's yeah, minds. And, and, and also um, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Because uh, he, he's too nice. I'd like nice. to give he's Pastor nice. Greg Glock one point for pronouncing Kamala Harris's name properly. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Just one that's point. That's true. <laughs> Maybe. But I, I will say, like, I, legitimate, <laughs> I legitimately know people who didn't vote for Hillary in 2016 and didn't vote for Joe and Kamala in 2020, specifically because the fact that they believed that 
Hillary Clinton in 2016 and Kamala Harris in 2020 were both the incarnations of uh, Jezebel, which is like supposed to be like this evil, you know, sultry woman that's supposed to lead everyone off the path. Now, is that right? they're denying their own attraction to Hillary Clinton uh-huh. and Kamala, or or is it that they they feel like other people are attracted to them and that's why they want to vote them into positions? I mean, there's so much. Pe- pent up sexual energy <laughs> yeah. that you know that that's one of the reasons why it usually just comes out in misogyny uh, misogyny and just yeah, violence yeah. me you thinks know, the misogynist uh, asshole doth protest too much yeah yeah uh yeah and that that was a clip of Locke's sermon from late june of this year i, I want to say the 26th or the 27th um greg Locke is the pastor of the tennessee-based global vision bible church um Roger Stone actually recently appeared to give a guest sermon and the uh, the church was uh, vandalized about a week before. So, you know, he, he went on mainstream media, at least in local Tennessee mainstream media, to claim victimhood. Uh, and by the way, that last clip, he wasn't done with his hot takes on that particular day. Um, he's got more to say about the inner workings of Washington. So let's hear about some tunnels. I don't know why pastors don't talk about this stuff. Well, I do. They don't want to seem crazy. I'm already crazy. <laughs> At least he admits it. Yeah. They pause and people are like, do you really think it's that much of an epidemic? Do you honestly believe, how we're going to get some more crazy. Do you honestly believe, Pastor Locke, that the military uncovered tunnels beneath the Capitol building and beneath the White House and in the five-fingered lakes? Do you really believe that they found kids? Yeah, both live ones and dead ones. And if you disagree with that, and if you try to discount that, and if you try to cover that, and if you try to keep that on the DL, you're just as complicit as Hunter Biden and the rest of them bunch of crack-smoking perverts. Where did he get this information? I, yeah, I love he ne- these guys. They never show any evidence. They love just spouting it out there, throwing it out there, and then to say, oh, yep, no evidence, and also, though. Who's, who's kids and, are these? Whose kids are locked yeah. up? Like, <laughs> well, when, when the the, then let's out? conveniently forget about... Let's conveniently forget about, you know, what we did to, you know, the Native people who were here, you know, when we shift their kids off to boarding schools. Yeah. Because it wasn't just in Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And specifically, so, for example, I just Googled White House Tunnels Dead Children, right? Um, even even for, like, uh, for so without putting in the obvious QAnon tag in there, nothing comes up. Uh, 2019, police searched tunnels under D.C. for missing child, what we know about the White House's secret bunkers, and I think that had more to do with when Trump was hiding from protesters that day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was a great day. Um See, Capitol Police tried to shut off tunnels during insurrection, et cetera, et cetera, underground. But then you go to, yeah, I don't know where he's getting this from. Um, but if I were to do the same search term and include QAnon, first one up, won't somebody please think of the children? <laughs> oh, God, how QAnon conspiracy extremists uh, Trump refused to condemn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I just- nothing. Uh, I'm just stuck on, like, like, like they keep arguing. Kids don't come from nowhere. So, <laughs> if there were a bunch of kids in tunnels, there would be a bunch of mothers complaining about their missing children. Or, uh, once the kids are out the tunnels, there'd be a bunch of kids saying, "Hey, I was locked up in a tunnel under the <laughs> under the Capitol." 
and people were raping me or whatever they assume is yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, T- yeah. Tom Hanks yeah. took me to the tunnel, you know? <laughs> he- you're, you're, you're just thinking way too much about this because, you know, the, the, the whole thought is, you know, obviously they don't, these don't get reported on because these are, you know, kids of color. And we all know that... Yeah, parents of color don't care about their you know families at all. Implicit That's why racism. You know, black dads aban- abandon their family. You know, they never mention the fact that we lock up you know one third of the black males yeah, in this or- population. Yeah, it, it it's I mean it it's all coded, but they it's just it, it so fits together nicely deep. like a like a Christian racist jigsaw puzzle. You know. <laughs> so. It, it, it's it's like a it's like a, a like a racist Russian nesting doll. You, you keep peeling back layers, and there's just like another a racist one. onion. And any other analogy we can come up with, <laughs> shit's got layers. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So that's 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 Greg Locke. Um, first impressions aside from aside from the specifics, right? Like. Uh, Jay, I mean, like Joe, I know you've got experience with with extreme size, but Jay, first impression of Greg Locke's style. I, once again, he's just he's so angry. Um, but it is it's very <laughs> Trumpian. He's obviously being an entertainer. He every other line is a joke. He he's playing with his voice, like talking calmly, then yelling at the points that are, you know, the ones he wants to emphasize on the most. Like it's a show, and uh, I wonder what what Mr. Locke's net worth is. <laughs> so some he, he report reminds that me it's of a, my good yeah. friend Creflo Dollar in, yeah. uh, in Georgia. Some reports estimate uh, north of a hundred million. Mm, very um, interesting. I, can't, can't say it to a certainty. I wonder what Jesus would have to say about that. He'd probably say, you know, Jesus saves, he should invest. But. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like, you know, Jesus always liked to, or said that, uh, what, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to fit through the eye of the needle. And my favorite thing is how these people will then twist that to say that, that the eye of the needle referred to like one specific tiny little gate that a camel had to get like down on all fours and shimmy through. And it's like, okay, when was the last time you ever saw a camel try to shimmy through anything? <laughs> first of all, and it's like, no, it's a literal camel through a needle. And it's just like, and it's the point where we don't realize this because we're so, in this country, we're so blind to poverty, like abject poverty. Like even the people, like a lot of the people, like I, I'm on paycheck to paycheck, but I don't struggle like, you know, someone in, you know, any other country on the, on the planet would, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, shit, there are parts of the continental U.S. where, I mean, I... <sighs> Parts of parts of Appalachia, parts of you know. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. a, you look at any city, any any city, there are going to be portions of that city where it's just like, I mean, it is like apocalyptic level poverty going on. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it's really interesting though because like one of the things that these guys never really talk about is how Jesus was always telling people to check their privilege. You know, I like that. I like it. Me and JC, we could we could hang the original version, not the new version. I'll never forget one of my first one of my first experiences in a church when I first was reading the Bible. Uh, I, I got to Acts two, and Acts two talks about how the early church shared everything. It's widely considered to be the most socialist chapter in the Bible. And I remember bringing that up to one of my pastors. I'm like, "Hey, look when you when you look at what this you know what the Bible says, it it kind of is a defense of socialism." 
And I got yelled I at. I fucking for that. bet you did. <laughs> yeah, and and it's just like, and for me, like, I, it was just like, I was 16 at the time. I thought it was just interesting. I I had the the cultural passing understanding of socialism, which means I didn't understand it at all. Just because if you ever want to throw a target behind something, just call it socialist or communist, and then the U.S. will bomb the shit out of it. So, I mean, uh, I've it's like sorry, I've been rewatching the show uh, Narcos. And it's just kind of like how the, the 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 drug traffickers, you know, Pablo Escobar wasn't a priority until he got fi- uh, photographed with, you know, the Sandinistas. Yeah, that's, you know? that's, that's fair. Kind of like in the modern era, it wasn't an epidemic of heroin until white people in the bridge and tunnel crowd on the East Coast started dying. But, you know. Exactly. Oh, well. <sighs> so, you know, and to be clear, we mentioned Joel Osteen earlier. Um, Greg Locke doesn't have Joel Osteen level following wealth anything like that like if it weren't for this type of rhetoric um jay you kind of pointed this out if it wasn't for his showmanship no one would probably really care about him you know at all beyond his own parishioners um you know you can find a lot of these rants it's all performance art i agree uh it's all in that regard it's all about money um but i think he might be a true believer in what he says beyond that um you know, Locke is big on denying the reality of the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, he doesn't allow masks at his sermons. He denies the validity of COVID vaccines. And this is probably the reason why he was recently banned from Twitter permanently. Um, and just like Mastriano, on September 14th, he had to jump on another huge social media platform, Instagram, and talk about it. So first up, uh, let's look at Locke setting a very low bar for himself in terms of uh, dangerous rhetoric. Hey guys, Pastor Greg Locke here. I want you to share this video. As you can see, the title demonstrates the fact that I was just finally permanently banned today from Twitter. They've given me 30 days, they've given me 10 days, they've given me three days or 24 hours through the years. I've been on Twitter since 2009. It's the most difficult platform to build. And finally, after we got up to almost 114,000 followers, now granted, after January the 6th, they took away about 20,000 followers. But finally, after building it up, having a verified platform on Twitter, they take the whole thing away. After years, since 2009, because I'm a danger. Guess who's still on Twitter? The Taliban, ladies and gentlemen. Are you awake yet, sheep? Yeah, so at least Locke is better than the Taliban. That's the fucking bar he's setting for himself. Also, I enjoy people's unwillingness to acknowledge the fact that robots exist on Twitter. And (laughs) whenever these purges happen and they'll lose like 20,000 followers, it's because they aren't real people. (laughs) Aw. And... It, when when was this exactly? Uh, it's a, uh, was September fourteenth, bef- I believe. Okay, yeah, because it's just like it, it's very interesting to think about the timeline because a lot of these pastors they either consider the Taliban to be the worst evil or they agree with them. Yeah, and and that's the, and you know by the way, just real quick uh, regarding Taliban, according to Politifact. Uh, There are a couple spokesmen for the Taliban that continue to operate personal Twitter accounts, but the accounts have not been suspended because they apparently haven't broken the company's terms of service. So unlike Greg Locke, they know what lines they can't cross, uh, at least on Twitter. Also, I just find like these anti-mask pastors just like completely ridiculous, but also like literally against the Bible. Because here, let me let me. Pull, I have my Bible right here. I'll pull up Leviticus uh, thirteen forty five when it's talking about you know 
you know, the cleanliness laws and stuff like that. And it talks about how a leprous, a leprous person who has disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean. As long as he has the disease, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The Bible fucking talks about, you know, if you're sick, remove yourself from the population <laughs> and cover yourself, protect yourself, protect other people. And this was before they had a, a you know, a good understanding of germ or viral theory, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, and so it's just like, well, I mean, you know, that that's again, so selective reading is how they make their money. You know, it's how they build their bank. You know, that again, that, that shit, what you just read, that's too, that doesn't work on a meme, you know? And, uh, exactly. you know, Locke, you know, he, he kind of shows his cards a bit in this video. Right. Um, and it's starting to become obvious, you know, that he thinks his vocation should entitle him to some type of special treatment. Wake up, use your brain, use your Bible, get a backbone. They just permanently banned me. I'm the first pastor with any sort of a platform that's been banned. So guess what? We're fighting back right now. Within one hour of it happening, we've already had our wonderful lawyer for our ministry file, and we have just entered in to the class action lawsuit against Twitter and all of these censorship Nazis. We just entered in with Candace Owens and Donald Trump and others. Can you believe it? They banned a pastor. They banned a pastor with a verified public blue check mark platform on Twitter because I'm a danger. Okay, I just want to get away from the the religious and just stick with the secular and the pragmatic here for a second. I mean, we see what he's Jay. You see what he's doing, right? Oh, absolutely. He he's trying to make it seem like, uh, like you said, like like because of who he is and his role in society, he he's kind of immune to the normal laws. Um, now, uh, a quick question. I feel like you already know the answer to this. Um, I I don't even have to hit my Google tab. But is he really the first pastor to be banned from Twitter for spreading misinformation? With a blue check mark, I'll be honest with you. I started to to Google that one, and I was like, you know what? I don't fucking care. I, I, let, <laughs> that works. Let let's say let's say he was, you know, because and it's exactly what we were discussing just now is that the the thrust of what he was saying is not. I was the first one. The thrust of what he is saying is, is I have a blue check mark and I'm verified, you know? Yeah. His whole, his whole thing is I'm credible because a lot of people know who well, I uh, am. Well, apparently 20,000 like, bots at least knew who he was. So at least, yeah. So whoops. Yeah. So I, I actually do not know if that's true or not. I don't know who would have measured that aside from Greg Locke, if I'm being honest, you know? And I think that would fit for Greg Locke that even if that were true, I think he just assumed it because everything is Greg. Everything's coming up. Greg Locke, you know, he's very it's egocentric. Like, yeah. Who cares if it's true or not? I think it's true. It's gotta be true. You know, <laughs> who cares if it's true or not? He just yells the loudest about it. So that yeah, makes exactly. it true. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you know, I'm betting that this lawsuit's not going to go his way. I think we all know that at this point. This has been covered. The First Amendment does not extend to private companies like Twitter. That's Constitutional Law 101. You know, they're not considered common carrier as of yet, so you can't force them in that way either. Um, and, you know, Locke, you know, that he emphasizes his exceptional status, right, uh, throughout this video, right? You know, he's a pastor with a with the verified blue check mark. You know, but... He isn't done because, you see, Locke wants all the good Christians out there to know that this isn't just his problem. It's everyone's problem. And also he needs to pump up his presence on uh, all the other platforms. Because this is America, ladies and gentlemen. When are you going to wake up? 
When are you going to get your head out of the sand and recognize that they're trying to take away every right that we have? And the problem is we keep compliant. Stop with all the compliance nonsense. It's unbelievably asinine at this point. They just permanently deleted my Twitter account. Now, I want you to go to Telegram. It's at Pastor Locke. It's verified. I want you to go to Gitter. It's at Pastor Locke. It's verified. I want you to go to Instagram. It's at Pastor Locke. It's verified. For now, thank God I'm still on you know, Facebook and YouTube. But I'm telling you, it's unbelievable what they are doing. The conservative Christian censorship is ridiculous. If you don't think persecution is here, you are not paying attention. It is unbelievable what we are willing to not stand up against. Oh my goodness, if we say something, they're going to ban us as well. Let them ban us all. We will all stand up and sue them. First pastor to be banned on Twitter with a verified platform? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a big fan of the Socratic method. Um, and I, <laughs> I often like to challenge people and, and, and just ask, you know, what if you are wrong? Like, what if you're being banned for a good reason? What if you are in the minority? Like, what would it take for you to believe that? Um, but I feel like asking that question to Pastor Greg Locke, we wouldn't get a very viable answer. <laughs> uh, I feel like he would just be adamant that he's being persecuted and, you know, he, he the Twitter is against him and he, yeah. he needs yeah. to sue them to prove himself right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there of, you know, the, the belief, because you know, Christians their entire lives now, you know, multiple generations have been told that they're going to suffer persecution. They're going to suffer persecution. And because we don't actually have really much hardships, especially white Christians don't have much hardship in this country. Relatively speaking, they yeah, kind of yeah. have to make it up themselves. So that way they can, again, have that martyr complex because, you know, the martyrdom is the the highest ideals because that's the purest way you could, that's the purest way you could die in their mind. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm really curious how much revenue being banned from Twitter is costing him. I have to believe it's a lot because he really wants back on that platform. Um, uh, Jay, this is more your arena. I, I don't know the 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 monetary value of having the verified account, you know? So, honestly, verification is kind of funny within and of itself. On most platforms, in order to get verified, uh, if you have to be just a prominent public figure, and they measure that usually by the amount of times you're mentioned in news articles or by other Twitter accounts that are like verified, things like that. Um, but in terms of its direct relation to you making money, it's all about how much you bring people onto the platform regularly. So once again, if if he has 20,000 followers, but they're all robots uh, and he's not actually producing views and clicks, it's not really gonna make him money. What's probably happening for him is that his tweets get shared, spread around the country, um, and then when you have that kind of reach with 100,000 people, you can essentially reach the entire country uh, very fast. Uh, he probably gets, you know, $5 donations here and there from even if, you, you know, he said he had 100,000 followers. Um, even if 50,000 people are giving you $5,000, I'm sorry, $5, uh, you know, that's a quarter million dollars <laughs> um, that you put right in your pocket. If through direct donation, and that's probably what's happening, he's getting direct donation from his exposure. 
See, that's that's interesting, too, because that also makes me think of Twitter's revenue stream. Like, in theory, like, if you get rid of an account that's driving a lot of traffic, wouldn't they also stand to lose some type of revenue in the process? Like, that hurts them. Absolutely. And that's why all these companies are so lazy about shutting down the robots. <laughs> um, that That's Got been it. the big fight. Like, you know, when it comes to driving their value to shareholders, um they look at shareholders look at how much traffic you're bringing to a particular platform um and even if it's fake or real they don't care they just say oh there's 3.5 billion users that's half the planet um you are automatically going to have a certain amount of reach and it's true whether or not the accounts are real or fake the reach can still be real because you know their promotion algorithms they don't always promote accounts you're, uh, accounts you're directly connected to they'll try and promote accounts that might interest you um and they don't sit there and try to distinguish between uh who's real and who's not or at least they weren't at first now with now that they're under all this scrutiny they're doing it more and more but yeah it's all about at the end of the day um money <laughs> that's it okay interesting interesting no it, it and i I'm, I'm wondering how much he would get from twitter but i i doubt that it's money from twitter why he's really wanting his uh twitter account back but more you know the engagement from his followers because the that engagement is going to keep his brand relevant for the speaking circuit because one of the big things in the christian oh, world is the speaking circuit and speaking fees because this guy's going to travel all over the country to speak about how he's getting banned you know because that's all he's promoting right now on yes Facebook, yes he is uh, ironically enough but yeah, but it's uh, yeah. These guys they they get their like uh, so the church I work at we were gonna have uh, before it got canceled due to COVID concerns. We had a, a prominent Christian podcast that was going to come and record an episode live at our church night. They were selling tickets to that. Not only that, but then the podcast host also has her merch. They they were paying our church like. I think a couple thousand dollars to be able to use the facility for, you know, to pay us to be able to actually like run everything. They, for them. Wait, the, the, the podcast but, was paying your church the fee. Yeah. To, to use our facility. So the, the facilities fee to be able to, to huh. utilize that. But the, but as well as they, every seat that they were going to have, they were selling tickets to, and we weren't the only church that they were doing this. at. They were going to go on and do a whole nationwide tour. Okay, let me uh, follow up question, Joe. How much would I have to give your church to do a, a live broadcast? You know, I'm kidding. I think Don't, there yeah. might be a, a misalignment of no, issues. No, we're not. There. We're not going to do. I, it'd be interesting if they let us. <laughs> I know. That'd be. Oh, we'll do. We'll do. Awesome, we'll do part three in your church, Joe. <laughs> hey, I did just set up a podcast studio there. Win. So. Win. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, and you know, I. I, I think you're right. I think you're both right. You both clearly know more about this than I do. I didn't, uh, Joe, I didn't even think about the speaking circuit. And um, I know fuck all about how metrics or, or algorithms work. So, Jay, thank God you're here. Um, but, yeah, it, it's like this thing where it's just like it, the, it, the, his main point is that, you know, there's a, there's, there's banishment and, and censorship of conservative Christian voices and stuff like that, right? Now, if Twitter was into censoring conservative Christian propaganda, then Kenneth Copeland, Charlie Kirk, the 700 Club, all of which have blue check marks, and many others are long overdue to be quote-unquote canceled, 
Okay. Also, by the way, the Global Vision Bible Church Twitter account is still active and posting. So, you know, maybe that's evidence that he was doing something personally he shouldn't have done, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. <sighs> yeah, Greg Locke is clearly not shy about expressing his political sentiments, as is clear now. Um, you know, but this isn't a problem as long as, you know, real power brokers aren't validating him, right? And right on cue, here's the North Carolina Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, they are part of the faith and larger Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, this is the North Carolina-based wing. Um, this is directly from their website, in case you're wondering what they're about. Quote, North Carolina's chapter launched in 2019 and shares the organization's values of faith, family, personal responsibility, and service to the needy. We're a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that supports biblical principles. Our goal is to inform voters across the state that impor uh, about important issues relevant to faith-based communities in North Carolina. We also plan to equip our supporters with the tools they need to be a force for good in the governmental and political arena. So... Yeah. Uh, Joe, you were kind of nodding your head. I think you know a little something about the Faith and Freedom uh, Coalition. Uh, not not necessarily this group to, you know, per, you know, personally, but this it's very, you know, they're all very similar, you know, language. And that's why it's like, I feel like a lot of Christian nationalism is kind of just a, a coalition of, of loosely connected cults of <laughs> personalities. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I, I can really find no other because it's like obviously they don't follow what they actually say because what they say that they help the needy. It's like, yeah, they help the needy unless they're yeah. homeless. Yeah. Then they, you know, step on their necks with, a, you know, I mean, and, and they also wear like, poly blends. So can't have that either. You know, that that's exactly. old testament shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the um, Faith and Freedom Coalition, they have an annual event, actually, the Salt and Light Conference. I don't know why it's called that, but uh, guess who showed up alongside current and formal, uh, former elected officials? Greg Locke. Welcome, Pastor Greg Locke. How many agitators? How many agitators we got in the house? Shout amen, huh? Yes, hallelujah. You may be seated. Sorry, I should have warned you. He just, he, he, don't, he dives right in. I, I enjoy it. He brings an incredible amount of energy. He does, right? Like he he's got that showmanship. Like he, his he's like content the DMX aside. of pastors. <laughs> he, he's very charismatic. He knows how to draw people in and get them to be able to relate. Now is with he DMX? Him. Like is wait, but is God DMX and Greg Locke is the hype man? Is uh, DMX was his own hype man? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> he got he it. brought so much energy, um, got and it. people would just help him. But yeah, that's. <laughs> There, yeah, sometimes yeah. you get artists who just they just bring energy uh and that's what i feel like we're dealing with here he's an artist who's bringing energy and with that he's bringing people he he is and he's bringing money and i'll tell you something greg Locke, i he's up on that stage for about 20 minutes and i i'm not accusing him of doing this but i will say that i've known people in my life who like use amphetamines um uh liberally and this man is jumping around the stage, literally jumping around the stage. I, I, again, I'm not accusing him of doing it, but damned if his behavior is not very similar. <laughs> I, I'm just going to leave it there. Wouldn't surprise me. I'm just saying. Just saying. Okay. Well, you know, and like I said, he's up on that stage for like, for like 20 minutes. He's going. And, you know, he immediately, as you heard, he just jumps right into his shtick. 
you know, and like he's back at his church, right? And he, you know, he's jumping around and it's all very silly. And Locke is mostly talking about his own problems, right? But he's coding at his problems with government and the suppression of Christianity, the things we heard a little earlier. You know, his problems are really everyone's problems, right? And then he starts bragging about shit he says in front of news cameras, right? Occasionally he'll have CNN and crews like that at his at his church and at about the 11 minute mark right uh Locke regales the audience with something he supposedly said in front of a cbs crew last month right and i really wonder if this is going to get him in trouble one day i said look we are not closing our church come hell or high water i said i don't care if the bubonic plague gets resurrected we are not closing the doors of our church right and so i had everybody kind of worked up and I said, let me explain something to you because I'm serious about what I'm saying. And I said, these people want to quote and they want to know why we're still doing this. And I said, sheriff's here. His deputies are here. They're tired of having to show up. So let's just fix this thing right now. And it got like tighter than a tick in that room. <laughs> I said then and I believe now. I said and I quote, we so believe and our First Amendment right to show up and worship Jesus in this church. That if you show up at our church and you try to impede upon our First Amendment right, I said, we will meet you at the door with our Second Amendment right because we ain't playing your Democrat games. You hear me? We ain't playing your Democrat games. We go preach, we go pray, we go prophesy, we go sing, we go shout, we go run, we go baptize people in the name of God. We ain't gonna wear masks, we ain't gonna stand six feet apart. And we ain't having no vaccine clinic in our parking lot. Somebody say amen. We're not gonna wash our hands after going to the bathroom. We're not gonna cover our mouths when we sneeze. We're uh, I have to say, there's nothing more Christian than threatening to murder people. I, oh, there's, there's just so many things there. Like, oh, okay. So one of the things like I was really excited for when things like started shutting down at the beginning of the pandemic. I know it's kind of crazy to think about being silver summer, linings. Right? You got to have, but, them. uh, yeah, but uh, I was really excited because I was I was really hopeful that the church as a whole, right, would try to come up with more creative methods to connect with people because the, the purpose of the, of the church was never supposed to be about the lecture or the concert. It was always supposed to be about the community, right? That's what we see in the we Bible. We need more time people time. like Again, you, Joe. It was never supposed to be a personal stage. <laughs> Joe, you, you, Joe, I'm so sorry because like I'm hearing you and I'm liking it, and you will not raise one fucking dollar of rage bucks, man. You exactly, and that's the you problem. You're bad at that. You're bad at, at getting that rage money. <laughs> hey, I follow after someone who was broke Fair too enough. his whole life. Oh, so. I like it. Little Jesus drop. Little Jesus drop. That's nice. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's just like. It's it's so asinine that it's like that these people are conflating the fact that the government is saying, hey, in order to care about other people, please refrain from getting into large groups in an enclosed, you know, not very well ventilated yeah, area. Yeah. Right. That's what was being asked. And these people just automatically assumed that that meant that I can't practice my religion when that's not what it meant at all. And not to mention, yeah, he's framing it as like, this is a fight for our lives. You know, we will, the whole joining that with the second amendment, it's like, okay, so you know, what you're saying is your faith, you believe it's contingent on your ability to at least imply that you're going to murder someone 
with firearms, you know? Exactly. And it's like, whatever happened to the whole philosophy of turning the other cheek, it's like, dude, you guys have been reading way too much of the Old Testament and not enough of the Sermon on the Mount. He, you know, he actually, you know? he does it's like, mention uh, that about, I think, it, I, I forget which verse it is about, like, obeying the government, something 13. Um uh, Romans, uh, 13. Romans 13 and he's basically like oh that's a bunch of hooey here's my interpretation for forget what the bible says you know well and, and it's like you know they completely forget the fact that you know jesus was so like okay so there's this one there's this one part in uh this one story in luke uh luke uh 20 where jesus is given a coin and you know they're like well what, what should we do about our taxes right and then jesus always said you know render to caesar what is caesar's and render to god what's god's right and it's it's so crazy because it's like unless there's something like unless the government is like actively prohibiting you from practicing and like believing in God, which the government did not do, it definitely didn't do. But these people just think that any sort of impairment or inf is an infringement on their right or you know on their freedom or what. I, I would it's almost like call it their entitlement. You know. Their sense of entitlement. I, I think so. I think they are entitled. Yeah, and isn't by definition God everywhere? Like you can literally practice your religion in your basement, and God will still hear you, right? <laughs> exactly. That that's that's uh, that's that's why the, the, the there's so many like logical fallacies, and that's why the the church like they they teach people apologetics, but apolo the apologetics that are taught aren't actual like logical. Aren't logically sound. Well, I mean, to paraphrase you the know? great, sometimes great Bill Burr, God is everyone, everywhere, and loves me unconditionally. But when I go down the street, he's pissed off and wants my money. Exactly. Exactly. I, uh, the, I, there was this uh, one pastor out of uh, what was it? I think it was Grand Rapids, Michigan. His church was called Mars Hill, not the Mars Hill in Seattle. That there's a whole podcast on the implosion of that church about six years ago. Um, but there's this uh, pastor named Rob Bell who uh, got vilified because he wrote a book called Love Wins, you know, talking about how, you know, God loves everybody. And he, he talks about this, this one, uh, he, he made this, this video series when I was in high school that's always stuck with me about there's the guy on the side of the corner, you know, you know, with a bullhorn just yelling at people. And it's like, that's not showing people God's love. Don't be bullhorn. Don't guy. be bullhorn guy. You know, I like that. That's going to be our first t-shirt. Don't be bullhorn guy. <laughs> I mean, it, it applies in so many different ways because QAnon has taken that to yeah, the extreme. Yeah, well, speaking of the extreme, we only got a couple clips left. And, and you know, it, it, if, if, you know, Locke, if Locke implying that his churchgoers will shoot anyone who enforces laws they don't like, if you thought that that was the limit of his delusions of, uh, or, you know, what he believes is reality, then we're not done yet. He's got a, he... How do I put this? I've kind of lost my train of thought. So John Locke, you know, or John Locke, excuse me, Greg Locke, definitely not John Locke we're dealing with here. <laughs> I feel like that's a completely different Hell person. Hell no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Greg Locke. Greg Locke um, is an interesting dude. And I guess it's because I didn't know that all pastors imply that there's a direct comparison between themselves and uh, John the Baptist. Jesus said twice, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. Now, if you get that on your recommendation letter, you can teach Sunday school anywhere. <laughs> Jesus just said, you are it. You're the bomb. The greatest prophet ever born of a woman. 
Jesus said from his own lips, red letters, not Greg letters, red letters in the Bible was John the Baptist. You remember how John the Baptist died? He equally preached Jesus and called out the corruption of the king. He preached against wicked politics. By the way, every preacher worth his salt in the Bible, including Jesus, preached against worthless, wicked politics. Because here's what they say, well, you ought to just stay out of politics, stay in that pulpit. I'm convinced we got so many popsicles in the pew because we got too many polar bears in the pulpit that won't stand up and say what needs to be said. Yeah, I don't know that last part. I don't know what that means. He, he speaks so fast that uh, I think you're not supposed to know what, he, what he's saying. <laughs> well, the 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 the, the church uh, the politics should stay out of the pulpit thing. That's a old old Jerry Falwell before abortion jumped into the picture. So taking it back to like the 70s and 60s, right there. Going back, going back. But yeah, I mean, you see what he did there, right? He's like all the greatest prophets you know uh spoke out against political corruption i mean it's clear he's talking about himself here you know he is john the baptist in this story that's, he, what, that's what he's trying to imply but it's just like don't forget that john the baptist was uh jesus's cousin so oh, oh so nepotism yeah exactly so, interesting didn't see i didn't know that part yeah <laughs> yeah so you know and, and by the way in case it wasn't clear enough that he's trying to show a direct comparison to himself and uh, John the Baptist and, and his martyrdom. Uh, here's another one. So Jesus said, John was the greatest prophet and they cut his head off. Because if we don't call out corrupt politics, we're going to lose our pr- platform to even preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Platform. And people don't understand that. Stay out of it. Stay quiet. Stay out of it. Stay quiet. We can't afford to stay out of it or stay quiet a second longer. Not a second longer. But here's what's interesting. There's not one person, and there's people in this room who know the Bible way better than me. In-house or on the live stream, there's not one person you've ever met or ever will that can tell you the name of the executioner that lifted up an axe and chopped off John the Baptist's head. Nobody knows the name of that executioner. But everybody knows the name of John the Baptist. Because I'm tell you something, church. The people trying to silence us will never be remembered. But those of us that stand for the gospel, those of us that stand for truth, those of us that stand for freedom, those of us that stand for purity, those of us that stand for righteousness, we'll never be forgotten. We'll leave a legacy to our children's children, children, and it's time to stand, having done all to stand, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Yeah, that's enough of that. I'm inspired. I I want to give him money. I don't know about you guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So so let's again let's let's set aside the the religion part which sounds weird right and just that that was our last clip and I think that sums up Greg Locke and, and the doom preacher sort of narrative very nicely I he's talking you know in, in that narrative he is John the Baptist Twitter is the executioner and he's saying I think what he's saying is his name will live on beyond Twitter I think is where he's going with this like he's trying to psych himself up you know what i mean is you know it's like they're taking away our platforms you know it's like that that was i feel like it's kind of egocentric in his like he just wants to be remembered in in history forever for fighting this good fight once again this this whole martyrdom complex it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna say this again and i'm gonna say it a little bit more crass this time these people just have the biggest boners for martyrdom. They just, they just like, I need to be a martyr so bad. Like that's, that's the only thing that they can think of. That's why they have to drum up their own, you know, thoughts of this is actual persecution. It's like, no, it's not calm yourself. 
Yeah, and again, he's making his problems everyone's problems. We all we all know how Twitter is going to ban everybody. It's like even though they only banned you because you're being a dick. Yeah, for probably for COVID denial misinformation type stuff. So just yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I think if he if he really followed Jesus though, he would he would know that the Bible being interpreted badly is just summed up as Jesus saying, "Don't be a dick." Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, to be clear, you know, this is a political event and it was also attended by Madison Cawthorn and Brian Hughes and Mark Robinson, three currently elected officials, um, a U.S. representative, a state senator and a state lieutenant governor, respectively. Uh, Mark Robinson, by the way, he's got a lot of Christian nationalism overtones in his rhetoric, which is further made more interesting. The fact that uh, Mark Robinson is a black man, so that 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 gets it that gets a little weird depending on what he's saying. So, oh, also Joe Arpaio uh, was in attendance along with Ted DiBiase of the WWE, the 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 million that was him, right? The million dollar man, that was him. Entertainers, yeah, all of them. Oh, so <sighs> did we learn anything? I learned that no one knows the name of John the Baptist's uh, executioner. It was Twitter. It was Twitter. Twitter. I, I learned the names of these two shitbags. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, uh, I, I learned that the good people of Pennsylvania have some homework to do to help make sure their elected officials uh, are a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. For for you Pennsylvania fans out there, you know, do what you can to do a little phone banking, you know, a little a little um promote some some uh candidates that aren't maybe insane, you know, is all we ask of you. Somebody who at least deals in this realm <laughs> in reality. Yeah, yeah. I I, I picked these guys because I thought it was a good kind of baseline for this is this is what we have in government this is what we have in government and these are the types of of preachers who are inserting themselves in government and and i think that it'll be a good example as next week we go into the genesis so to speak of christian nationalism white christian nationalism if we're not kidding ourselves here um because this is you know this is this is the consequence this is what we're dealing with here these are the people that are relentless in wanting power and keeping power and turning us into a theocracy. And next week, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, hopefully we'll try to get them all in. We'll get Paul Weyrich. We'll get Jerry Falwell. We'll get Reagan himself, even though he wasn't really religious. He just sold that bit, but in due time, we'll get into that. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So, uh, Jay, you, uh, working on anything, uh, got anything creatives that the fans can follow these days? Anything on the socials? Uh, no, not at not at this time. I think eventually I'll I'll create a, a social account and dedicate it to the the happenings of this show and try and keep it separate from my personal one, which is just really filled with nothing. I don't really use the Twitter that much. Yeah, mine's mostly Corgi Twitter. So, <laughs> and uh, Joe, how about you? Um, I mean, I'm just on Instagram at Flying Blue Jay just for personal stuff, which right now is mostly barbecue stuff. So if you're interested in barbecue stuff. I am interested in barbecue stuff. I'm also interested in barbecue stuff. <laughs> yeah, I just got a really big uh, meat smoker that I'm, I'm excited to be breaking in hopefully soon. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we got we ran way over. Sorry about that. I, Joe's got to get to his game. All right. Well, with that, we are going to take it on out of here. That's it for this week. Uh, as I said, next week, we're going to dive into uh, the beginnings of the modern Christian nationalism movement. Until then, everybody, keep your heads up. Love thy neighbor. Donate to a local charity. Um, maybe do some phone banking for some good candidates in your area. And be wary of false prophets who only want to make a profit. Later. Thank <laughs> you.